what I start doing is I like make my bed in a way where it won't get unruffled unless I really do like, you know, in the middle of my sleep, I'm like, you know, MMA fighting or something (laughs) so that there's an easy just a fake, you know, kind of pull a little back over to the one side, the cushion, the covers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then boom, it's that quick, you know? And at least it's the illusion of a bed being made. You just flip it back up. And that has made me more productive. Right. Aren't you going back into the bed that night? Yes. So what's the point? Seriously. It's uh, Nobody's in that room but me. Military men make their beds every day, and they say... That's because they got some guy with a crew cut screaming at them. Yeah, but there's a reason. (laughs) Well, that I Discipline. hired a guy actually. <laughs> it's it's counterproductive. For me. It's not counterproductive. It's superfluous. Why it's, do you hate our military's bed, bedding tactics? It's anal. Why do you hate anal? It- <laughs> <laughs> Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. It's six o'clock at DVE. Here is the Channel Eleven Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Sure. It's fifty-six degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein is due back in a lower Manhattan courtroom today. Weinstein is expected to enter a plea of not guilty at his arraignment on rape and criminal sex act charges. Brought by a grand jury last week, Weinstein's attorney is also expected to file a motion to dismiss the indictment. Weinstein is accused of forcing a former actress to perform a sex act in his office in Tribeca in 2004, while another woman accuses him of rape in a Manhattan hotel room in 2013. He denies all allegations. Apple is saying it's trying to help users strike a better balance between gadgets and life. At Monday's annual Worldwide Developers Conference, Apple addressed phone addiction as part of its new Screen Time app. Some new features to help control phone use include ways to set limits for time spent on certain apps. That new app is part of the next Apple Mobile Mobile Operating System expected out later this year. Apple says iOS 12 will launch your app's camera and keyboard faster, especially on older phones, and allow you to FaceTime with up to 32 people. A parent's childhood trauma could hurt their own children's health. A new study out of Drexel University finds if a parent experiences an adverse child experience, uh, their children's odds of having poor health goes up nearly 20%. Researchers cautioned it's too early to say exactly what the link is. Even so, they said the study underscores the importance of studying the multi-generational effects that trauma has on health. A 20-year-old will pay restitution and spend more than a month on probation after throwing a wild New Year's Eve party at an Ohio Airbnb rental. Police say Isaiah Shahid rented a room for $40 in Seven Hills and Hundreds of people showed up for a party. Shahid was only supposed to have a handful of friends there, but the large crowd tore up the place to the tune of $10,000 worth of damage. Shahid was recently sentenced to 45 (laughs) days of house arrest in order to pay back $15,000. Yeah, I don't think you can throw a a rager at at an Airbnb. Not, (laughs) Not a good idea. Finally, should Bohemian Rhapsody, the film about Freddie Mercury and Queen, turn out to be a bust, at least the trailer was successful. Not only was it among the most-watched videos when it came out last month, it propelled some of the band's songs back into the Billboard charts. Three Queen songs currently in the top 20 of the Hot Rock Songs chart, Bohemian Rhapsody at 8, Another One Bites the Dust at 13, and We Will Rock You at 17. Queen songs also made a dent on the Hard Rock Digital Song Sales chart. 
Bohemian Rhapsody at 3. We Will Rock You at 9. We Are the Champions at 15. And Under Pressure with David Bowie at 16. Queen's Greatest Hits album jumped from 4 to 2 on the Hard Rock Albums chart. Bohemian Rhapsody opens in theaters on November 2nd. Showers and thunderstorms mid-60s for the high today. It's 56 now at DVE. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford. Randy Bauman on the way. Mike Pursuta has sports at the bottom of the hour. We'll be joined by Dr. Cyril Wecht today, who is always an awesome guest. Oh, yeah. Listen to him talk forever. Uh, he is uh, talking about the RFK assassination investigation. Sean Casey at 8.15, Billy Gardell at 9 o'clock as well. It's the DVE Morning Show. You get in the robocalls a lot lately. Does yeah. your cell phone get them more than ever? Yes. So does mine. They have this new trick that they have been doing where they take your phone number and the first three digits of your phone oh, number. Oh, that one infuriates me. And then it'll come on. So it looks like, oh, well, I'm, this has to be someone close to me. It looks yeah. like my number. Maybe I'll answer. Well, there's been a preponderance of those and a bunch of the fake IRS calls and the Fed calls. Mm-hmm. So I got this call yesterday on my phone. It's filed against you by the federal authorities. So before the things go worst against you, kindly call us back at 703 537 one nine nine three. I repeat it seven zero three five three seven one nine nine three. Don't disregard this message and do return the call. As delay in calling us back might end up into a legal prosecution I mean, against your name. Oh, that'd be so bad. So we hope that you justify in this situation as soon as possible. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I mean, that sounded like a real lady. <laughs> And it's not like there's real consequences. Well, Val, I had enough. I'm calling him. Oh. Joe's putting to my, hear this. Because I'm sick and tired of dealing with this, these pe- people. Hello, is this Mr. Obama? Wait, how do they know my name? I'm calling for my work number. How did you know it was me? Sir, hold on uh, while I connect you with our supervisor. <laughs> oh, perfect. See what they're doing here? Yeah. They're even pretending to be patriotic officers of the government. I mean, they've really stretched this ruse out a little bit too thin for me. Honestly, I'm sick and tired of the old... Hello? Rand? Mom? Hi, honey. How are you? Mom, what the hell are you doing working with the phony robocall criminals? Well, my kids are busy and mom gets knocked down the pecking order on the callback list sometimes, so... I signed up with Telemometer. Telemometer? Yeah. It's a new service, hon, that scares people into calling their moms. I just, I gave them your phone number. No. You gave them my phone number? (laughs) Why did you give them my phone number? Yeah, and zip code, and birthday, and your first pet name, and the street you were born on. No, those are- such strange questions. Those are password questions. I learned about it from the Nigerian man who's been emailing me to make sure my network is secure. Stop emailing him. Mom, what did you want to talk to me about? Well, hon, I wanted to remind you to go to confession before we attend the vigil mass Saturday. I don't want to go to the vigil mass. It takes forever, and there's no Wi-Fi in there. Oh, ring. Offer it up. Honey, offer it up. Remember, you're not the one on the cross, hon. Yeah, well, you know, at least I'd get good reception up there, okay? St. Craig's (laughs) is like being in Capone's vault. I get no balls. (sighs) (laughs) I am going to send an email to my prayer circle to pray for forgiveness for that blasphemy and for those Stephen Hawking jokes about his boners that your cousin Timmy told me about. (laughs) All right, so now I'm being condemned for comments you heard secondhand. Rand, 
your show's not for mom. I know we that. We talked about this. <laughs> yes, I know. It's not for mom. Thanks for calling me back, hon. Stop tricking me to, with these fake federal investor calls. Love you. Yeah, all right. Love you, too. Oh, before I go, Harvey oh. Vina, a boy you went to second grade with? Don't remember him at all. No. Well, he was he was in your class for three weeks <laughs> in the month of November. And, anyway, I, I don't remember. His stepmom? Mary Agnes died. Don't yeah, know her. I thought you might want to send flowers no, or I call. No, I don't. It'd be important to me. All right. Okay. I'll try. <laughs> Bye, Mom. Don't forget to fast on Friday. No Netflix or Atari. Yeah, the DV morning show. Scorpions. Class mine up on the Scorpions. No one like you. There, There's a video we can do for Bill's video review. What? It's the Scorpions. No one like you. It inexplicably takes place. At Alcatraz, and it starts with Klaus Mina waking up in a uh, an apartment in San Francisco and like looking out the window, and Alcatraz is off in the distance, and <laughs> it's just so crazy. Is that the one? Uh, I'm into it. Yeah. So this week, I need you to do a Hall and Oates video because Hall and Oates are coming to town this weekend. Is it a huge sold out show like the other one? Well, the other one was at Stage AE, and I believe, and then they after that, that one was sold out. Then the other, yeah. then they went to the arena with Tears for Fears, and I don't believe that one was sold out. Yeah, I don't think so either. So they're back at the arena, I believe. Oh, they're going to the arena. Yes. I really enjoyed seeing them at Stage AE. Yes, that was fun. Who's who's with them? Do you know? I don't know the the answer to that, but. They have some great videos. So when we had Bill do his video <laughs> rewind segment last week when you were off. I was going to say, did <clears throat> I fall asleep during the show one day? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. You were out. And yeah. I had Bill. I, I want him to start reviewing videos that you and I know by heart that he's never seen. Oh, so, I got one for you. What? Scandal Warrior. Ooh, that's a good one. That's an awful we one. We did but. Journey Patty's, separate Patty. ways. Oh, well, that's your, Randy's one of his favorites. Yeah, it's the best. They play imaginary instruments. <laughs> What's better than that? There's so many things about that video that are absolutely hilarious. <laughs> but the top of the list is that Steve Perry was wearing a cutoff shirt, and it was so cold that he had to stay in his trailer when they weren't filming because he's so puny. <laughs> <laughs> And he brought his girlfriend, and Puny. she pissed everybody off, and everybody hated her. <laughs> Sherry, yeah, that, that was the the inspiration, uh, inspiration for, for oh Sherry, oh Sherry, which I bet the uh, the Filipino guy in Journey really wants to do, and the and the rest of the band is thinking about it like let's just piss him off. That's too far. Speaking of that, uh, pissing off one another, Dennis D Young from the band Sticks is now his feelings are hurt like never before because the band, Styx, who's been touring without him since a brutal breakup Ugly and lawsuit breakup. Uh, years ago, they're, they've announced they're going to start doing Mr. Roboto in concert, <laughs> which is the song that originally broke them up. Yeah. Destroyed the band. Ripped them apart. And now he is aghast. <laughs> And so I'm it's so great. I'm going to try to do this today, but because of our guests, I'm not sure we're going to get to it because of like where everything is placed. I uh, I want to do a look back at sticks behind the music because it helps you really take an in-depth look 
at the breakup of sticks. First of all, the formation of sticks, which was also hilarious. When I was watching this, the the videos that you sent me, it reminded me of Van Halen. Because it just because everything mm-hmm. that I have read recently about David Lee Roth joining the band seems like he was he just never fit into that band. Well, who would be your David Lee Roth? In I don't sticks? know. I don't. Because I Dennis DeYoung. Dennis see, DeYoung. this is what I originally thought. But when you look, when you read, or rather watch behind the music, he wrote all the hits. It's his band that nobody wanted to be in. That's really what Sticks is. I used to think it was a bunch of dudes who wanted to rock out and this like Broadway fancy. wannabe fancy dandy fella comes in with his music <laughs> and the, all the rockers Later. are like, stop writing these Broadway kind of hits, would you? We don't want to play this stuff. But really it was he wrote all that kind of stuff. And then they didn't want to be in the band, really. They're like, all right, we got famous. They liked being famous. They liked dry, riding in first class. But Tommy Shaw is like, I don't want to be uh, stepping on Barry Manilow's toes. What are yeah. we doing here? Oh, I want to rock. So crazy. It's really good. Highest recommendation. Highest, highest recommendation. So I'm going to oh, try. So good. You can see it on YouTube. I'm going to try. And we can always talk. Give about you a little bit of a re- rewind on that one because it is one of the all-time great behind the music. But it might July, so. it might change your perspective. Who are they touring with? Uh, Joan Jett and Tesla. I I don't know, man. Show. Like Dennis, D- I don't know how they didn't break up immediately. It Who's- seems like they just couldn't stand him from the get-go right away. Who's the singer for Sticks right now? Like who's the Dennis his name Dion? is Lawrence something oh, yeah. he's some Montreal some Canadian guy something like that I mean Dennis DeYoung's description of the band I always describe sticks as a democracy of which I was the president but there always was the houses of Congress to deal with mm-hmm yeah. guess which president he was really like he didn't really care about those houses of Congress and what they had to say too much it, it, well, it's a shame that Dennis DeYoung couldn't pardon himself and just start touring again. He is touring. Not with the band, but no, he is touring. No, not with them. He, he so pissed everybody off in the band when Mr. Roboto came out. And don't forget, it was their third, third album in a row that was a concept. And this one just went way too far. And Tommy Shaw's quote was... But Dennis was already planning the group's most ambitious concept album yet. Kilroy. <laughs> Title Kilroy was here. It tackled themes of censorship, rock and roll rebellion, and the dangers of technology. I see a future without rock and roll music. I really just kind of came up empty. I just couldn't think of songs about robots. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't think of songs about robots. You know, that's when I started self-medicating. Guess what? <laughs> that song went to number one. That album went to number I one. I think there was a ban on it here for a while. Oh. There's no doubt. Sadly, Dennis DeYoung is not on Twitter. Oh, oh, he could not handle Twitter. No. There's no... A little too harsh. No way he could handle Twitter. Wait Friendster. A Friendster was the last thing he was on, I think. Steve Brown, who was in Trickster, who played with Def Leppard last week, yeah. apparently has played with Dennis DeYoung. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Maybe we could ask Steve Brown to give us his number. <laughs> Let's see if we can get Steve Brown. 
You no, know. he also played with Jim Brewer. Steve Brown? Oh, really? According to his Twitter handle. Steve Brown kicks ass. He actually didn't play in the Pittsburgh show. From no, what I was yeah. told, Phil Collin actually made it. All right, so we'll review Sticks and their relationship, contentious though it was. And you may come out of this, like me, I always considered Dennis DeYoung to just be the sore thumb in the band, but really, he was the he was the fist, and they were a bunch of sore thumbs. They all stuck out. He was just looking for a band to sing his songs, which all became big hits. They were cheesy. So cheesy. The other guys wrote hits, too. Tommy Shaw wrote hits, and they were rockers. But, babe... Oh, lady. Oh, guess who's those were. I loved those when I was in junior high. The best of times. My friend, my best friend had Paradise Theater, the album. We Rockin used to listen the Paradise, to it man. over and over. Oh, yeah. All right. So that's on the way for you. Mike Pursuta has a sports <laughs> update and the uh, Caps one game closer to getting that uh, elusive Stanley Cup championship. They uh, they just laid it on Oof. the uh on the Golden Knights last night. <clears throat> Yikes. All right, details on that coming up. D- DVE Sports. Mike Pesuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Sports this hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. The Vegas Golden Knights kept hitting the post in the first 10 minutes of the Stanley Cup final last night in D.C. And the Capitals uh, Kept putting it behind Mark Andre Fleury in the final ten minutes of the first period of Game Four, and it all added up to a somewhat deceptive six to two Washington victory. Caps have a three games to one series lead. They've won three in a row, and uh, the history not prophecy number is thirty two and one. That's uh, teams that have a three games to one lead in the Stanley Cup Finals since the best of seven format was introduced in nineteen thirty nine. The lone exception is uh, in 1942, the Toronto Maple Leafs rallied from a 3-0 deficit and beat the Red Wings in seven games. But uh, 97% of the time, teams with a 3-1 to lead, as the Capitals now have, go on to win the Cup. Yeah. And well, look, Vegas has never lost a series that they were down 3-1. to They have not. In the postseason. So, good point. So, there's that. Uh, they had some unbelievable chances in the first 10 minutes of that game last Yeah, night. they did. Including James Neal somehow hitting the far post from the crease with a wide open net. That puck was dancing behind Holtby several times. And, Just wouldn't go in. And if you're the Golden Knights, you're probably looking at it saying, hey, we got the start we wanted last night. Do the same thing next time at home. And a couple of those are going to go in, and then it's going to be a different game. But they didn't go in last night, and Washington's power play also announced its presence with authority. The Caps had been one for seven with the man advantage through the first three games. They were three for five last night. And Vegas kept taking penalties, and uh, Washington made them pay this time. And uh, the Caps are on the brink of that uh, long sought after first Stanley Cup championship. Evgeny Kuznetsov leading the way last night with four assists. T.J. Oshie had a goal and two assists, and Nicholas Backstrom, three assists. Who's your uh, Conn Smythe right now? I I would vote for Ovechkin, just because I think he's leading it. Kuznetsov? And he's also scored. Yeah, Kuznetsov's having a great playoffs. He's the leading scorer, but I would would vote for Ovechkin. Okay. I'm curious to see uh, 
They're both Russian, so it's going to be a quandary for the Canadian voters. No vote for Holpe. Uh, I would vote for Ovechkin. I think uh, this has been his postseason more than anybody else in Washington, I think. Although last night he was driving me crazy. He had two two-on-ones in the third period that he passed the puck on. Actually, I think one of them was in the second and one of them was in the third. Uh, I wanted to see him rip it, but uh, the Capitals survived the early surge and were opportunistic thereafter. They are uh, pretty much owning Vegas in uh, the offensive end. They're getting some just gorgeous looks, and that's been going on all series long. Uh, Vegas hasn't figured out the the cross-crease pass thing, and they're whacking the puck into a lot of empty nets. Do you think the Vegas uh, Knights turn to Matt Murray at home in Vegas? I don't it's, think they it's do. time. You know, it's not necessarily Mark Andre Fleury's fault, but no. he's not doing anything to stop it either. He's he's coming out to challenge the shooters, and they're passing it around him. Uh, he's going down, and they're they're beating him high. Uh, he looks like a goalie they have figured out. And coming into this series, he looked like a guy who was all but unbeatable. Yep. What Washington's done all postseason, they have uh, they've started series slowly and figured things out in the first couple three games, and then uh, put the pedal down. Game five is Thursday night in Vegas. Trot's still going to get fired. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't want to come back. Boy, you could ju- you just get the sense they could smell it. It's working out I mean, well for him. He's a free agent. Yeah, blood in the water. Yeah, the start. You know, if Vegas can get off to the start it got off to last night and get a 2 nothing lead like it could have easily had last night, then maybe there's a shot that this thing comes back to Washington for game six. You worry about that if and when you get there. But, uh, yeah, it, they it, the momentum seems to be screaming that the Caps are going to win this. They're making all the plays, and they're getting the puck luck. Golden Knights tried to uh, thug it up at the end of the game last night. I don't know what that accomplished, but I guess we'll see in game five when it was out of hand. Oh, I turned it off. Ryan Reeves running around and really bad cross check on uh, TJ Oshie by Braden McNabb. It was 3 nothing before I could turn it on. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did you see the highlight of the Neil miss? Uh, no, I saw him being excoriated on Twitter. Uh, it's... It's one of the more remarkable non-goals you'll ever see. Yeah, it is. It, it it defies logic and description that that puck did not go in the net. The entire net is open. All of it. <laughs> Byers owes the Dodgers tonight. Uh, they've lost 12 of 16, but they had a day off yesterday to kind of collect themselves. Uh, they'll give the ball to Joe Musgrove tonight. He's 2-0 with a 0.64 ERA. He'll be opposed by Ross Stripling Three and one, one point six eight. Dodgers haven't yet announced the starter for Wednesday. The Pirates will go with Trevor Williams, and then it'll be Jamison Tyone on Thursday afternoon against Dennis Santana. Uh, the entire Central Division had the day off yesterday, so the Pirates remain six and a half behind the first place Brewers at thirty and twenty nine. Now, busy day off the field as uh, the uh, Major League Baseball. Draft began, and the Pirates selected outfielder Travis Swaggerty with the 10th overall selection in the 2018 first-year player draft. He is a junior from the University of South Alabama. He had 296 with 13 home runs and 38 
RBI this season. He is uh, the Pirates' first top 10 pick since Austin Meadows went to the Bucks number 9 in 2013. Pirates also selected right-handed pitcher Gunnar Hogland, uh, 36th overall. He's a high school pitcher from Florida. And right-handed pitcher Braxton Ashcraft, number 51 overall. He's a high school pitcher from Robinson, Texas. And a couple reported signings by the Steelers, uh, offensive tackle Bryce Harris and tight end Ryan Malik. They will take the place of offensive tackle Gerald Hawkins and tight end Jake McGee, who uh, have gone on injured reserve after suffering injuries in OTAs last week. Steelers uh, had a scheduled OTA yesterday. They did not go on the field. It was the annual Dave and Buster's Day. So a little bonding. A little bonding going on. The rookies went over to uh, Children's Hospital. Didn't hear about anybody blowing a knee or tearing a quad or anything. No no skee-ball accidents? Although if that happened at Children's Hospital, you'd at least have the medical care. That is true. Top-notch care. Did you do that? No, they do two a year. This is the one they do with the drafted and camp invitees, and then uh, the one they do next year is the one that the guys that make the team. It's actually a pretty cool video about that on Steelers.com. Yeah. Those guys really seem to have a good time. Oh, yeah, they were playing the piano. The kids seem to have a better time, which is the whole idea. No doubt about it. Thanks, Mike. Val's got news coming up. We're going to talk about all the things that are supposed to be cool this year. Also, we rewind sticks behind the music. Dr. Cyril Wecht at 745 today, the world-famous coroner, is joining us because he is going to take part in a symposium discussing the death of Robert Kennedy. New information has been unearthed, and a lot of people, including RFK's son, are now touting the theory that there was more than one shooter. Oh, my. With Sirhan Sirhan. And the story of Sirhan Sirhan gets weirder and weirder through the years. The Washington Post printing a story yesterday that many believe he was hypnotized. And wait to hear the details behind why that might not be as ridiculous as it sounds at face. Sean Casey, he's as ridiculous as he sounds. He'll be here at 8.15. And Billy Gardell joins us at 9 o'clock here on the DVE. It's the DVE morning show. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford, Val Porter, and Mike Pursuta. And a rock and roll journalist legend has uh, passed away. Jerry Hopkins, who wrote biographies of Jim Morrison, David Bowie, Elvis Presley, and others, died June 3rd in Bangkok after a long illness. He was 82. According to his website, Hopkins published 39 books, more than a thousand magazine articles for like Rolling Stone, GQ, Village Voice, Maxim. His most popular, undoubtedly, was the 1980 biography of Jim Morrison, No One Here Gets Out Alive. According to Best Classic Brands, he'd begun writing shortly after Morrison's death in 1971. He researched it and wrote it for nine years. It was the first biography of Jim Morrison. It was rejected by more than two dozen publishers before finally getting published and becoming a bestseller. Now, this book for me will always be the start of my obsession with classic rock when I was a kid because... At that point, I'd only taken it to how much can I listen to? How much is in the catalog that my brothers and sisters have that I can go into their record collection and steal from them and listen to? And how much 
is the classic rock radio station. It wasn't even classic rock back then. It was just, you know, the radio station. How much can I glean from just listening to that? But it hadn't occurred to me that you can, like, really take your obsession to new levels and really go down the rabbit hole. And this book was the first time that I ever did it. And I'll never forget coming home from the mall on the bus, you know, and I had to transfer and everything. And reading, like, what had to be at least half of the book by the time I got home. And I just couldn't believe, like, all of this information was, like, just sitting there like, dude, I can't believe they printed all this stuff. Because it seems so illicit. Right. All the drug use and sex and just all the craziness. Just the sex and drugs part of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And even the nerdy stuff behind the scenes. It really deserves uh, uh, going back to one more time. Danny Sugarman, of course, famously lent a hand on that one. He was a longtime collaborator with The Doors. Morrison's assistant and confidant. So I had always thought that was a Danny Sugarman book. Like, if you were to have asked me, I would have answered, it's Danny Sugarman. And he's featured in the documentary and everything, but it's not. It was Jerry Hopkins. And the Doors wrote on their uh, their Facebook page, may the writer and famed Morrison biography, Jerry Hopkins, rest in peace. Thanks for helping to keep the legend alive with your words. How crazy is this? When he wrote the book... No one here gets out alive. It became a bestseller, and it totally kickstarted a resurgence of the doors. Well, I did the story before you got in this morning about the trailer for the new Queen record. Yeah, like all their they have like three songs on three different charts right now <laughs> because of it. Yeah, the Rolling Stones' infamous 1981 cover story, which helped kick the, things back into gear. He's hot. He's sexy, and he's dead. <laughs> but uh gotta pay tribute to uh to Jerry Hopkins, even though he you know he was eighty two and nothing or, or, or eighty two and everything, it wasn't like he was, you know, taken too young. Now, he did pretty good. Somehow he ended up in Bangkok, good for him. Uh, that always makes me that always raises eyebrows. Why in Bangkok? Yeah. He had right. his wife and kid over there, if that uh, that makes you feel any better. Wasn't like a little he, bit. Yeah, I understand. Someone goes and spends their Last year's in Bangkok. Yeah. They're evading something horrible here, or they're doing something horrible there. Right. Or both. But uh, the song that the title was taken from, The Doors. DVE. DVE Morning Show, 5 to 1, The Doors. And uh, RIP to The Doors biographer, Jerry Hopkins. It was really, he was really the Morrison biographer. No one here gets out alive. Author died at 83 in Bangkok. Which, I want to read that. It's awesome. It's there, are, you know, through the years have been claims of, eh, that part isn't so true, but it doesn't make it any less fun to read. Is he a Doors apologizer? No. Like, does he gloss over stuff? Or No, I mean, look, they, they definitely celebrate the, the lore of Jim Morrison. I mean, he so much... About him, I think he, a uh, Jim Morrison type of guy, has a hard time in today's media because, first of all, there's no mystery. Yeah, right. A lot of exposure to anybody. So that kind of persona is predicated on all kinds of mystery surrounding it, and we would know what he liked on Twitter, and he'd be apologizing, and you know, it'd be a mess. But uh, that well, I'm glad said, he's not here. For that part, I'll have to go back to it. I mean, my favorite rock books to read, the the, the Almond Brothers, uh, One Way Out, that um, Pittsburgher, 
Alan Paul wrote is tremendous. The Warren Zevon book, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, is another great one. Really highly recommend that. I never read The Hammer of the Gods because as much as I loved Zeppelin, I kind of felt like I just didn't want to, I don't know. They kind of also scared me when I was a, when I was a kid. And I was really gobbling up those books back then. And when that book came out, I, I think I was pretty young and I just wasn't ready for it. Blue Oyster Cult scared me. They are. They're scary. That's their whole thing. Oh, it has cult in the name. Yeah, right. You think, you, it's scary. You, you think you'd go to a boy, Blue Oyster Cult show and maybe not come back. And they put one of those robes on you that's on the cover of, uh, not Fire of Unknown Origin, but no, whatever I, album it is. I can picture it. You know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about. That creepy one. Did Stick scare you at all? No, Dennis DeYoung <laughs> did not have the effect of scaring me. We're going to try to go through the behind the music of Sticks because Dennis DeYoung is now speaking out. He is very upset that they're going to start doing Mr. Roboto again. He sees it as a validation of his work with Sticks, and he's begging to be let back in the band. I would bet if um, Tommy Shaw and James J.Y. Young see those comments, they will never play it again. They oh, hate him so ever. much. Wait until you hear what Dennis DeYoung has to say about them playing Mr. Roboto again without him. And if we have time, and I'm really hoping that we do, a review of the sticks behind the music to explain just how we got to this point. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Cyril Wacht also is going to be doing a symposium on the assassination of RFK, which now is surrounded with all kinds of new conspiracy theories, including the fact that there was multiple shooters. He'll be on at 745 today. He helped consult... With the uh, autopsy back then, of course, world-famous pathologist, Cyril Wecht, on the show 745. Both the Kennedys, correct? Yes. Sean Casey and Billy Gardell, both on the show, and Val's coming up next. We're going to talk about all the things that are supposed to be cool this year. It's 55 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Prosecutors in the Russia investigation say former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort made efforts to tamper with witnesses in the criminal money laundering case against him. A new court document claims Manafort called, texted, and sent encrypted messages to two people to influence their testimony. Prosecutors are asking a judge to revoke his bond and house arrest or at least change the terms of his release. Oh, he's just trying to influence a little testimony there, huh? What a dope. (laughs) Yeah, that'd probably be the time you want to lay low. Yeah. Take his phone. Several people were hurt at the Kenny Chesney concert. Randy, you mentioned this yesterday. A woman fell on the escalator. Video has surfaced showing the pileup going up the escalator. It happened at Heinz Field on Saturday at Gate B. Witnesses say a drunk girl fell while going up, and by the time she got the, to the top, she hadn't gotten to her feet. So everybody else behind her had nowhere to go. Pile up. Uh, they said about 15 to 20 people suffered minor cuts or bruises. Yeah. She probably got her uh, terrible towel sucked into the steps. I'm having uh, Joe post that video on uh, the morning show page at dve.com. That was a hilarious video. I don't know if you saw it. (laughs) It was. I didn't hear any audio from it, but... Falling in slow motion. You can see it coming from a mile away. (laughs) And it looked like there might have been some vomit on the ground. I'm not sure. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's safe to assume there's vomit just about everywhere at that concert. <laughs> Probably need to pressure wash the stadium the, after the, that. It, there was one kid at the end of the escalator run there that he knew what was coming, and he was just like, well, I'm just going to fall and see what happens. <laughs> and he, he ended up like just kind of bracing himself about three steps before he got to the to the mm-hmm. bottom, 
and he just flies off to the left side and does like a <laughs> triple roll on top of a beer, gets up and keeps going. Looked like some people were trying to kick her, like not kick, but kick push her out of the way. Yeah. Like scoot her. They really shouldn't have escalators running for any event like that. That's yeah, a lot are- to ask the people to be able to negotiate. <laughs> but it's tough because it takes forever to walk up the rotundas. Like yeah. if you're sitting in the 500 section, it's it takes 45 minutes to get up there if you're walking. Yeah. And uh, I guess you could fall down a not moving escalator too. Yeah. People fall downstairs. Somebody just falling down the entire rotunda. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly tumbling around it and around it. Uh, What's the keto diet? Is that another high protein, low fat, or low, uh, no carb? No, it's high fat. Oh, the keto diet is high fat? Yeah. It's no no carbs, though. Okay. Well, uh, according to a new study, middle-aged men who have a lot of protein in their diets could be at greater risk for heart failure. Researchers found men between the ages of 42 and 60 who ate diets rich in meat and dairy protein were at a higher risk for developing heart disease than others who consume plenty of fish, plant proteins, and even eggs. Well, what is cool? According to a new survey, drinking less booze, eating healthy, and coffee among the 30 things considered cool in 2018. Here are the top 10 reusable coffee cups. Hey. Which you guys were cool. We both have. Are cool, yep. Going on vacation to unusual places off the beaten path. Sure. Which, you kind of, I mean, you went to Iceland before, like, right as it. I was on the first week of flights from Wow Airlines, and uh, I want to go back. Is I have not seen one flight anywhere from the Wow Airlines. Do they only fly to Iceland? Yeah, and then they fly to Europe, like other destinations in Europe. Okay. Yeah. But they will. They fly to Reykjavik and then go from there. I really want to go back. I that, that was one of the prettiest places I've ever been. Yeah. It really felt like you were on another planet. But do plus you they wish- talk about that. You know, all the language is all messed up, and you, your GPS is talking in that language. It just feels like you're not on Earth. Do you wish you could bring your own food though? Because I heard from everybody that went there that the food sucked. Loved the food. You loved the food. What was it like? So was it real got, m- small portions? Or, see, I thought it was all like boiled ham. Was it wa- no. wild game? No. Elk? I, I I had good food everywhere I went. Like lunch would be like boiled ham sandwiches with like ham and cheese and vet- like they'd cut up a bunch of vegetables and um, like there were little sandwiches. And then you'd have like lots of fish soups. And like heart, hearty stuff, mm-hmm. because it would go from being like pouring rain, like or a, like a misty rain, uh, and uh, be cold to the sun would pop out all of a sudden, and it would be like nice and warm for a little while. It was it was awesome. It was I went in the summertime though, so it was twenty four hours of sun. You should go it's there. Beautiful. Good. I would love to go. Yeah. You would love it. The waterfalls are insane. Yeah, I the drive from Reykjavik it. to this place called Vic, which is about a. Then I think it's like a three-hour drive. It's it just looks like a like Lord of the Rings the entire way, and it's just nonstop waterfalls and glaciers off in the distance. And don't it, they have black sand beaches? Yeah, those are you know it is what it is. They just don't seem real. It's overrun with tourists. There's no doubt about that. 
There's a lot of tourists there. It's kind of driving the economy. But natural springs with people eating Doritos in them. There was that. that I did oh, see that. Wait till the garbage starts to pile up because oh, yeah. people can't do anything right. Right, we ruin everything. Yeah. Oh, there's something beautiful. Let's hop on Let a flight s- and go throw trash on it. Let me smoke a cigarette and flick the butt over there. I saw a few incidents of ugly Americanism happening, and one was this group of like obvious like Manhattan chicks. Ugh. You know what I mean? Like Sex in the City. Uh, yeah, but they were like a few Indian American girls <laughs> with like a like a couple of like bro dudes, and they, like really just they looked like they had a lot of money. And they were like yelling at these cafeteria workers, and I just wanted oh. to like throw a beer at them, like <laughs> smarten up. <laughs> we when we went on our honeymoon, we did I don't know we did like some snorkeling cruise, and the most obnoxious people on the boat were from New York. Yeah, well, if you go to the anywhere in the in the islands during like February or March spring break, mm-hmm. and all the New Yorkers and New Jerseyers, <laughs> New Jerseyites go down. Uh, with their entire families, it's like being at a Yankees That's game. That's the way this was. Yeah. It was like huge groups of families, Just, yeah, to little like the, kids, to older people. and Yeah. They all go together. Go- oh, they're screaming at each other. Yeah. It's like you're at their party. Going to the gym is also considered cool. Whatever. Having a balanced diet. <laughs> you're so cool. <laughs> How do you do it? You eat three squares a day. Wow. Fruit and vegetables. Staying in rather than going out. You're so cool. And the I'm the cool. coolest. Nobody ever sees you. <laughs> You're Miles Davis. Working from home. Uh, record players. I cool still again. can't get it. I cannot yep, that's cool again. pick up that. Really? I'm that, surprised that's, I know. that you're not into it. No, I absolutely love the ability to quickly change uh, songs to something, you know, whatever I think of, it's there. Not, yeah. well, I don't have it. The convenience do, of streaming music is just unbeatable. I I admire people who have big record collections and they are meticulous caretakers of their the sound collection. Sound is is better, without a doubt, without a doubt. But I, you know, forego that for the convenience of being like, what song are you talking about? Oh, this one, and then all track of a sudden, seven. I don't know the name of it, but right. it's track seven. Yeah, <laughs> um, fitness trackers. They don't work. They're BS. It's like that calorie counter on the whatever elliptical machine you're on at the gym. Those aren't accurate. I have They're one ballparking it. I have a, um, a map app for biking, and it tells you how far you biked and the elevation and stuff like that. Is yeah. it accurate? Well, I'm, I think that part is kind of accurate, but it also tries to tell you how many calories you burned. And oh, yeah. like, there's just no point in looking at that. It well, said I burned 1,100 calories on this like 45 minute bike. And there's no way I burned 1,100 calories. Yeah, I had a Fitbit in the beginning, and it I didn't I don't know how accurate it was. It just made it, it was like all right, you you can try to make walking into any kind of game you want, but at the end of the day, I feel like an idiot because I'm walking around my living room trying to hit my <laughs> step goal for the day, and it's just it's dumb. I want I want to be done with this. I'll go start. I'll run. I'll do something else. You just put your Fitbit on your kids to see the difference oh my, between yeah. what they do in a day and you do in a day. Oh, my kids are so lazy. <laughs> my 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 youngest is if she walks like half a block, she's like, "Carry me." <laughs> are they out of school yet? No. 
And I showed up yesterday like I biked up to get them at school. Oh, I you're a biker now. All day well, yesterday, buddy. No, listen. Did you get those tires pumped up finally? Total huh? disaster. Did you pull them on a wagon behind you? Total disaster. I did, actually. Wow, one day. nice. Yeah. But um, I I tried to bike to work yesterday morning using my wife's bike. And there <laughs> were no air in the tires. Dude, I yeah. None. None. It was... The the shocks on this thing, every time I, I would put my weight on it to try to start pumping, it was like a pogo stick. <laughs> well, and because the, there's the no air on it. not high enough. So I had to pick him up because, you know. He and was, my chain popped. <laughs> he popped the chick because he was like, putting all his in. weight on it, trying to c- go up a, a hill with no air in the tires. And I connected the bike pump to the tire. And you know how the pressure gauge will read how much pressure is in the tire? Yeah. And it wasn't showing anything, and I'm like, <laughs> no. this thing, am I, do I not have it hooked on? Riding on the and then ice. I was like squeezing it, and there was no air on I don't know how you didn't bend the hell out of the rims. I told Serena, if, if somebody who knows about bikes looked at this bike, they would say, this was the absolute hardest you could have made this on yourself. Without a doubt. <laughs> and then on the way home, it wasn't free from incident. I'm coming down Green Tree Hill past Panera. It's a steep That's hill. That's a steep hill, yeah. And all of a sudden, I lose the handlebars. <laughs> oh, no. So now I'm holding the ha- I'm holding the middle of the hand. The thing that holds the handlebars on, I'm holding that with one hand, and I'm holding. <laughs> and you're trying to get your hand back on the brake? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it Did was somebody an not put the bike disaster. together or what? I, I got it for Serena as a birthday gift like three years ago. She rode it once. <laughs> so it's just been sitting in the garage and I'm like, well, F this. I'm gonna go I'm gonna start getting into riding bikes. It was in the garage for three years and he didn't check the tires. <laughs> and he's like, just starts biking to work. <laughs> and then Randy okay, pumps up my tires and goes, Okay, enjoy your ride home on your girl bike. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you <laughs> You. Well, it was that's really quite, a, quite an ambitious undertaking at you know four thirty in the morning. I only yeah, live three miles away. Scary. It wouldn't be that bad for me. He's got another three or four on me, and that is just and enough hilly. to make it a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. The hills, the hills. I had to walk. I had to get off and walk <laughs> the bike up the hills because there was no air in the tire. I still can't <laughs> believe there. There was. I don't. I don't know how you were. Didn't you when you got it. on it think, "Huh, these seem a little soft." Yeah, but I was already I was screwed at that point. I was halfway up the street. I was like, "I got to just keep doing it. I got to tough this out." And then I popped the chain and I called Randy and said, "Are you at work?" He was like, "Of course not." I was like, "Well, can you pick me up Wait. at the Ace Hardware store?" <laughs> What time was that? Like five after six? Like no. five to six. Oh my goodness! And it was hilarious because he pulled in. And he was like, "All right, man, come on, come on." Were you furious? He was already annoyed with me before he even pulled up. Were you oh, furious when it was happening? No, no, I was just kind of like scared because I don't know if you've ever been like, you know, every time I'm like coming into work, it's like you, you know, you have like that weird energy in the morning where you're not really awake and. You have anxiety, or I don't know if that's just me, but uh, <laughs> you're hallucinating. But then, add on to that like extreme physical exertion, and it's just, just a really out. weird feeling. It's like getting beat up by somebody, <laughs> and then you get up from getting beat up, and then somebody's going to chase you. And you're like, oh god, I just got beat up. So you didn't ride the bike to work today? No. Okay. No, I didn't. 
Serena was like, don't you dare. The back wheel's going to fall off today, don't you, you know? Did you hitchhike? <laughs> <laughs> no. I stole the car. Uh, coffee. Very cool this year. It's always, it, I mean, coffee's always had that, like, it all of a sudden turned into some weird cultural currency. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like craft beer now. Yes. And being able to cook from scratch. Is, uh, wraps up the top ten of cool things. Envious. Meanwhile, it's such a it's like such a bad word to use when you think about cooking. Like, what scratch? I'll be right there in a second. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, cooking from scratch, my psoriasis is killing me. <laughs> but this dish is going to be excellent. Finally, Bruce Springsteen is set to perform in his hometown of Asbury Park, New Jersey, for the reopening of the concert venue Asbury Lanes. Reopening ceremony scheduled for June 18th at the long-shuttered bowling alley, now fully renovated as a music venue. Proceeds from the event will benefit the local boys and girls clubs. It's unclear how many songs he is scheduled to perform or who, if anyone, will accompany him on stage. Maybe Joe Grzecki of the House Rock. Yeah, maybe. They play quite a bit in Asbury Park. Showers and thunderstorms mid-60s today. It's 56 at DVE. All right. So today we're kind of packed. We have uh, um, Sean Casey next hour, 8.15. And then we have Billy Gardell at 9 o'clock. Coming up at 7.45, we're going to talk with Dr. Cyril Weck because he is giving, or rather taking part in a symposium and a podcast recording centering around the Robert F. Kennedy assassination. And lately there have been a slew of new uh, conspiracy theories that seem to have, like, gained some traction mm-hmm. due to some new revelations about that day at the was it the ambassador hotel is that where it was yeah, uh, in california sirhan sirhan the uh widely accepted uh, assassin everyone you know knows he was uh the guy that, that pulled the trigger there are some really crazy uh, uh facts surrounding his life leading up to that and there's a new theory that claims he was hypnotized as part of a a plot a real-life Manchurian candidate. Yes. And there's now evidence to to back up the claims of that being possible. I don't know that I would necessarily believe it, but boy, uh, it is something to behold once you get all of the facts straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people believe there were two shooters now. And, yeah, the second shooter. The fatal blow from RFK came from the other angle where Sirhan Sirhan was in front of him. I just don't understand how that could have got past anybody. Dr. Wecht was one of the people who uh, advised, as uh, acted as a consultant on the autopsy, world-famous pathologist Dr. Cyril Wecht, joined us at 7.45 to talk about that. Also, uh, Val's News, Mike's Got Your Sports coming up, and it looks like the Capitals one game away now from uh, claiming their first Stanley Cup victory after a drubbing of the Golden Knights last night. Sports next on DV. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta has your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. The Vegas Golden Knights outshot the Capitals 30-23 to in game four, game four of the Stanley Cup Final last night and out-attempted Washington 71-41, to but it was the story of Vegas hitting the post early and the Capitals taking over thereafter. Uh, a good idea what took place last night in D.C., the first period of play. The Knights had 25 attempts to the Caps 14, and when the period ended, it was three to nothing Washington. The game ended six to two Washington, and the Caps are now on the verge with a three games to one series lead. Since losing Game One by a six four count in Vegas, uh, the Caps have outscored the Golden Knights 12 to five. 
Can't finish at one end, can't keep it out at the other. It's a bad recipe, and uh, Mm. it's one of the reasons why Vegas has lost three games in a row. That's what I was saying yesterday. It seems like the the pixie dust might be wearing off, and eventually not having a bunch of stars (laughs) catches up with you. Yeah, the only hope you have right now if you're a Vegas fan is that uh, the Knights really did dominate the first uh, 10 or so minutes last night and could have easily had two or three goals. They got none, but they could have easily. Uh, the James Neal post is the most, perhaps the most remarkable post hit I've ever seen. He had the entire net. I just don't know how that didn't go in. And he hit the post. And then somehow Holtby didn't knock it into his own net when he was reaching back for it. Uh Evgeny Kuznetsov led the charge at the other end with four assists. That matches the uh, single-game Stanley Cup final record. That's been done by 11 other players, most recently Joe Sackick of Colorado in Game 2 of the 1996 final. Got to be Kuznetsov or Conn Smythe if they win, Mike. I would disagree with that fervently. Because? Because Ovechkin has 14 goals and 26 points. Kuznetsov has 12 goals and 19 points. Ovechkin's their captain. He's been hitting people. He's been playing defense. He's been doing everything. I, I think everything that the Capitals have flows through Ovechkin. I just don't want him to get everything. If he's going to get yeah. the cup, I don't want him to I get the cup. Smythe, I think he's so Conn Smythe. I'm... Yeah, but then if Kuznetsov he's gets the Conn Smythe, then he's going to do that big, that stupid celebration right. when he gets it. That is true. I don't want to see that. It's not over yet. Game uh, five is Thursday in Vegas. I think it's over, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope they have yeah. one more Capitals meltdown in their system. Well, as Keith Jones pointed out on the post game last night, uh, Washington is seven and five all time when it has a three games to one lead in series. Not in the next game, it in winning the series. <laughs> their history is is such that spotty. They are almost as likely to blow this as not. But I think everybody sees a different Caps team. Uh, this season, and that's why they are one win away from winning the Cup. Bucks and Dodgers tonight at PNC Park. Can Joe Musgrove do it again? The Pirates need another masterpiece. They've lost 12 of their last 16, but Musgrove's 2-0 and with a 0.64 ERA. That is the first of three at PNC. The Pirates also uh, active in the 2018 first-year player draft yesterday with the 10th overall pick they selected. University of South Alabama junior outfielder, Travis Swaggerty, he's 5'11", 180 pounds. He's the Bucks' first top 10 pick since Austin Meadows was taken ninth overall in 2013. Best uh, name ever, Swaggerty. It's not bad. It's not bad. A couple of high school pitchers taken at number 36 overall and number 51 overall. One of the uh, resounding developments yesterday, um, speaking of defying description, the White House canceled the Eagles' trip to the White House that was scheduled for today. That trip was canceled less than 24 hours before uh, said visit was scheduled to occur. Uh, the White House issuing a statement from Donald Trump regarding the Eagles, quote, they disagree with their president because he insists that they proudly stand for the national anthem, hand on heart, in honor of the great men and women of our military and the people of our country, the Eagles wanted to send a smaller delegation, but the 1,000 fans planning to attend the event deserve better. These fans are still invited to the White House to be part of a different type of ceremony, one that will honor our great country, pay tribute to the heroes who fight to protect it. 
and loudly and proudly play the national anthem. I will be there at 3 p.m. with the United States Marine Band and the United States Army Chorus to celebrate America. Sure you want to do that? Sure you want to invite the fans after you just canceled their team? Reaction has been swift. Uh, The Philadelphia Inquirer and Daily News reporting that fewer than 10 players plan to attend the event. So that's why he canceled it. Yeah. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney had this to say, uh, quote, uh, about uh, the Eagles trip getting canceled, quote, disinviting them from the White House only proves that our president is not a true patriot, but a fragile egomaniac obsessed with crowd size and afraid of the embarrassment of throwing a party to which no one wants to attend. Who said that? The mayor of Philadelphia, Jim (laughs) Kenney. Wait, but wait, there's more. Uh, Torrey Smith, who was a wide receiver with the Eagles last year and has since been traded, tweeted yesterday, so many lies, here are some facts. One, not many people were going to go. Two, no one refused to go simply because Trump insists folks stand for the anthem. Three, the president continues to spread the false narrative that players are anti-military. Inquiring Daily News also reporting that uh, nobody on the Eagles took a knee all last season. Nobody. <laughs> and uh, Tory Smith had this. So he's trying to make it about the other issue when, yeah, it's, when not it's not that at all. When it's not. Tory Smith had this to say on Twitter in February, shortly after the Super Bowl, when a proposed visit was raised. Quote, for me, it's not just about politics. If I told you that I was invited to a party by an individual I believe is a sexist or has no respect for women, or I told you that this individual has said offensive things toward many minority groups, this individual also called my peers and my friends SOBs, you would understand why I wouldn't want to go to that party. Why is it any different when the person has the title of President of the United States? You know, our old producer Slack raised a a very good point here. This is just the team that beat Tom Brady, and he's he carries water for... Robert Kraft. He Let's has, all face it. Yeah, Kraft has a, the, the bat phone, the unsecured bat phone. That's and right. Put, and Putin's got the ring. Yeah, that's right. So it's all tying together. It's all it tying together, buddy. All tying together. Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania uh, said, quote, uh, this on Twitter also, I'm skipping this political stunt at the White House and just invited the Eagles to Congress. How about a tour of the Capitol? Let's do the political stunt over here. Yeah. And then here's That's the most stupid political stunt has a, been moved. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about God. I hope we can do something with the government. It, you know, that was a tradition with the White House and the whole country celebrating the NFL. And now it's like, will the NFL ever recover fully from their embracing this politicization of their sport? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Yeah. U.S. Representative Brendan Boyle, who uh, represents Philadelphia and Montgomery County in the eastern end of the state. Now, listen to this guy. This this guy's in office. Here's, here's where we are. Hey, at real Donald Trump, it's one thing to be wrong on policy, but to take on my Eagles is a whole new level. You even make a championship team visiting the White House all about you. What is wrong with you? Seriously, what condition do you have? Who is that? U.S. Representative Brendan Boyle. It's so- one thing to be wrong about policy, but now you're taking on my Eagles. Is he trying to be funny there? Yeah, I think he's trying yeah, to be, he's, he's not, trying to appeal to voters. Yeah, to me he's saying that the Eagles are more important than policy. Which is part of the reason uh I think know. he might be doing the wrong thing. You know. <laughs> hey Representative Brendan Boyle, what's wrong with you? Why don't you do something about it besides tweet? Well, that's what they do now, Mike. They yeah. all tweet. See, and now honestly history is not gonna look kindly on any of these clowns 
in elected office right now. Oh, all, I know. All of them are culpable. Oh. Every, every one of them. When everyone says stick to sports, you have to remind them they aren't letting you. They aren't letting you. They keep jumping in with this crap. Yeah. NFL will be fine, especially now that gambling is going to be more legal. Oh, well, that, you know, you bring up a good point. I just wonder how long is this going to swirl around the sport? I think it was for, f- fiscally responsible for them not to have the Eagles come there because then you got to pay for the Crisco to. You got to Crisco all the statues of, and monuments. Poles, yeah, a lot of poles in DC. That's, that's a good that's point. A, that's a that's an expenditure that we just don't need right now. Maybe probably some, maybe just some of the police horses are a little backed up and they're not providing enough food yeah. for the <laughs> Philadelphia fans. He's going to invite <laughs> Stallone to the White House and have Stallone just go there in an Eagles jersey and be like, "He's from Philadelphia, and believe me, he's a lot better liked than the Eagles." Frank Stallone who have lost <laughs> every year. He's a true American. Yeah, exactly. Rocky Balboa. That's kid. right. Tell him, Rock. Uh, on the way for you. When we you return, fake boxed for years. Legendary pathologist Cyril Wachter. We come back. He is uh, going to take part in a, uh, a symposium tonight at Point Park, which will discuss the assassination of RFK. I find this fascinating. Have you heard all these new details that have been unearthed? Well, Cyril Wecht is one of the people applauding RFK Jr. for bringing them to light because they believe that, much like his brother's assassination, we have not been told all of the pertinent facts. So the guy was hypnotized. That's only one. No, the two-shooters thing is really more uh, the salient point to be made, I think. I hope. Is that the shot? Oh, yeah, it's not... It's this is not all about the Washington yeah. Post story yesterday about Sirhan Sirhan and how he was believed now to have been hypnotized. It's because he has no crazy. recollection of the exact moment of the assassination. Yeah, well, it was like fifty years ago. No, at the time no, he didn't. <laughs> like that's been consistently his story for the last forty plus years. And the woman who he was last seen with in the hotel, he got drunk in the hotel and tried to leave, but he was too drunk to drive, so he went back in for coffee. And then the woman who gave him the coffee turns out was a wife of a former CIA uh, um, officer or something like that who specialized in mind control and was now believed to be working with foreign governments. Just crazy stuff like that. That I just find kind of a hilarious sort of fascinating conspiracy surrounding the real possible story, which is the shot that killed him didn't come from in front of him. Like, how is that possible if it wasn't Sirhan Sirhan? Or if it was Sirhan Sirhan? We'll ask Dr. Cyril Wecht when we come back. DVE. It is the DVE morning show. Randy Bauman, Bill Crawford, Val Porter, and tonight at Point Park University at the Center for Modern Innovation, they're going to have a symposium from 6 to 8, a live podcast taping of the narrative arc podcast and dr cyril wecht is going to be taking part in that to uh, discuss the rfk assassination investigation which has now started to take on a little bit of a new light dr wecht joins us right now good morning dr wecht how are you good morning good morning gentlemen always a pleasure to talk with you thank you so uh, i guess the first question i have for you in this and it, it has been very interesting to read up on this in the last week or so with uh rfk jr making a uh, uh a lot of statements as to his uncertainty of the investigation's uh, results into his father's death, which questions about RFK's assassination do you feel are most glaringly left unanswered? Well, I've been dealing with this now for almost 50 years, and 
I'm delighted that RFK Jr. has spoken out because obviously uh, input from him uh, can help us greatly in bringing a reopening of the investigation. The things that stand out are hard forensic scientific evidence, and that's what makes this case um, such a very important, significant one, and something that really should be beyond the realm of um, any kind of subjective controversiality. Uh, the gunshot wound, uh, well, first let me very quickly, for the listeners, some of whom don't recall the physical scenario, Kennedy had just won the California primary at the Ambassador Hotel. Uh, they were celebrating in Los Angeles. They did not want to go out through the crowd. It would take them forever. So they decided to exit through the kitchen. As they were walking through the kitchen, and he had people on both sides of him, and people uh, there in the kitchen area, shots rang out. And he was shot um, <clears throat> three times. One shot um, just went into clothing and didn't go into his body. Another shot went into the body and the back of the right shoulder and uh, did not cause any significant damage. The fatal gunshot wound was fired uh, then, um, striking him just above and behind the right ear. The distance of that shot was one to one and a half inches away from RFK's head with a slightly forward trajectory. Uh, I've been speaking to uh, uh, tens of thousands of people collectively at meetings over these 50 years, and I just love asking audiences, what was the distance between Sir Hans Gunn and Bobby Kennedy? Eight feet, ten feet, six feet, four feet. Once in a while, somebody will say one foot. When I tell them one to one and a half inches, they they are incredulous. And it's there. I want you to understand this is not Cyril Weck's opinion, although I was an official consultant on the case, and I examined everything, and I signed off on it, too. Mm -hmm. But what I'm talking about is, in the official autopsy report, anybody can look this up, signed off by Dr. Tom Noguchi, who is an excellent forensic pathologist. He was the chief medical examiner coroner who did the autopsy. Signed off on by several members of his staff, professors at the University of Southern California, called in by Tom, and three military forensic pathologists. I suggested that to Tom when he called me in the middle of the night to tell me that the senator had been shot and, and talk about how to keep the feds from taking Kennedy's body out of L.A. as they had done with JFK in Dallas five years before. So you advised him they'll not let them move RFK's body? Exactly, and, I, and one of the things I told him was, you, Tom, you be proactive. You invite uh, three military forensic pathologists to come and be there as your guest to be there observing uh, the autopsy, and he did that. So that that report that I just told you about has been signed off. And another thing about it, not only from the pathological standpoint of the gross examination of the wound and the microscopic examination of the stippling and the gunpowder residue, it was confirmed through ballistics and criminalistics tests shooting that same kind of gun uh, into targets to show that that was the distance. And then there's one more important thing of a forensic scientific nature that correlates and corroborates that finding, and that is the acoustical evidence. It just so happened that it was a European uh, reporter who was there, and he had his <coughs> tape recorder on mm -hmm. and recorded the sounds. And that has been examined and studied um, by uh, top people, 
von Prague, uh, Philip von Prague in his country, 13 shots are heard on that. Sarhan's revolver had eight shots, and he sure as hell did not reload it. He was knocked to the ground immediately by uh, Carl Uger, uh, Mater D at the hotel, Rosie Greer, a former athlete who was there mm-hmm. as a kind of a in unofficial bodyguard and so on, and uh, so we. No, but I read that they that Sirhan Sirhan got off five shots while he was being detained. Would that account for the extra gunshots that that are heard on the tape? No, no, those are the extra shots after he's been knocked to the ground. Oh, okay, <laughs> he shot, uh, um, and uh, then then uh, no, 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 he was knocked to the ground immediately. And you're right about the other five shots. Uh, first the three while he was standing up, and then five while he was being knocked to the ground. By the way, we also have uh, people who were there, one of whom uh, was wounded in the head, uh, Paul Schrade, a very uh, fine gentleman, a labor organizer. Uh, And uh, he, as well as others, uh, who have confirmed where the people were standing and and so on. And by the way, you know, we presented all of this at a wonderful program we had at Duquesne University at the Institute of Forensic Science and Law about uh, four or five weeks ago, and we had Paul Schrade, we had Dr. Noguchi, we had all these people um, uh, there talking. Dr. Noguchi, the original uh, yes. pathologist on, yep. on the scene, yep. he was Tom from L.A. Good. Yeah, he uh, he's a good friend and colleague of mine. We remain uh, friends. He's, he's retired now but he's still alive and well in in Los Angeles. So there you have it from a forensic scientific standpoint. Let me tell you something else of interest, that there was a bodyguard that had been hired who was standing immediately to the right of Robert Kennedy, uh, slightly behind him, um, who had a gun, and that gun was never confiscated by the police and was never tested. So you think this could be just like his brother was, uh, uh, a lot of people thought that the, the Secret Service agent's gun was the one that delivered the fatal blow. Well, uh, well yeah, yeah, but we, which, is, which is incorrect. Um, but I know that yeah, some of the people think about um, Kennedy having been shot uh, inadvertently, uh, accidentally, so to speak, by Secret Service agents in another car. We can talk about that another day. No, in this case, um, the point is that there's a man, his name is... Uh, uh, Thane Eugene Caesar, um, and his his gun was never tested. It was subsequently sold to one person, another, and then it was stolen. It, it's a fiasco. Uh, they, I can understand people uh, thinking immediately, oh, this is it, it's a wrap-up case. There's no question. I want to make it clear that Sirhan did the shooting um, that night there's no question about it. And you can talk about Sirhan and what were his motives and so on. And that's an interesting part of the case, too, which admittedly gets into investigative and subjective interpretations. The young woman in a polka dot dress. And, yeah, that's and, the lady who was considered, that a lot of people believe she was the wife of a former CIA agent who specialized in mind control? Well, um we don't know exactly who she she is. She's never really been identified, to my knowledge. But um, she was clearly seen there by many people. And then she was seen uh, coming down the stairs from the hotel, exiting the hotel, and saying, "We killed, we killed Senator Kennedy. We killed, we killed Senator Kennedy." Um, 
and this has been documented by uh, some credible people who who heard her say this and who saw her. And then you get into the question of was Sarhan under mind control? Was he in some kind of hypnotic stance? We, we don't know, and I, I'm the first to admit that I can't say uh, for certainty that that was the case. I think it's quite plausible. He was examined extensively for hundreds of hours by forensic psychiatrists, and uh, and a couple of them definitely believe that uh, it is quite likely. He, he was. Uh, uh, it was like uh, yeah, like in the Naked Gun. He got in Enrico Palazzo. He yeah, said, all, exactly. all this, "Boom." Yeah. He apparently is quite susceptible. You know, they they tried to hypnotize him, and he <laughs> falls under hypnotic spell quite easily. So that's where we stand. And uh, despite the hearings that have been held with testimony from different people, including Paul Schrade, the gentleman I referred to, um, the government has refused to allow the case to be reopened. And uh, that's where we stand. All right. So tonight at uh, Point Park University Center for Modern Innovation, uh, the Narrative Arc podcast will take place from 6 to 8. You can go and see this live. Dr. Cyril Wecht will be discussing all of these different aspects, which first a lot of people were previously unknown about the RFK investigation uh, into his assassination and uh, also newly revealed information, especially uh, the backing of his son, who's sort of demanding that this is being reopened because he believes there was a second shooter. And so do you, I guess I have to make this uh, succinct, uh, Dr. Weck, do you believe there was a second shooter? No question. There's no question at all. And I repeat, this is not a subjective opinion. This is not a matter of my interpretation. Wow. This is a matter of confirmed, documented, unchallenged um, forensic scientific evidence that has been confirmed by every one of the people who was involved officially in this case, including, I repeat for emphasis, three board-certified, full-time military forensic pathologists who were there at the autopsy and who studied everything. Wow. All right, so tonight more on that. And Dr. Wack, thank you as always. Hey, before I let you go, what did you think of Albert Brooks's performance of you in the movie Concussion? Well, yeah, he's an excellent, excellent actor and... uh, I, uh, you know, I was pleased uh, by uh, by his performance. It's a great movie. People should see it. Uh, Did, didn't you wish that it was like uh, somebody a little more uh, like George Hamilton or something? Well, I, I still have a lawsuit against the people in Hollywood. They promised me Paul Newman, and they did not deliver. <laughs> <laughs> well, tough unless you could do some really good work in order to get him. Uh, Doctor yeah. Weck, thanks so much right. for your time this Thank morning. You. Appreciate Thank it. You. All right, there you go, Doctor Cyril Weck, who's a legend. The guy's a legend. That's crazy stuff. There was definitely a second shooter in the RFK assassination. That's what Dr. Weck just said. I want to know if the bodyguard, I, I know the weapon was never confiscated, but was that guy ever questioned? Apparently, they found that the, they, they know where the weapon went, you know, up to a certain point. So there had to be some investigation into it. Uh, all right. You Crazy. could go ask him that question tonight at the uh, Narrative Arc podcast at Point Park University. Okay, Val has news next. Sean Casey's coming in the studio. Billy Gardell's going to be here as well. It's a big show still to come here on DB. I I tried to bike to work yesterday morning using my wife's bike, and there <laughs> were no air in the tires. Dude, I... Yeah. None. None. It was... The, the shocks on this thing... Every time I I would put my weight on it to try to start pumping, it was like a pogo stick. <laughs> well, and because the, there's the no seat's air on it, not high enough. 
So I had to pick him up because the, the, you know, he and my chain popped. He popped the chicks. He was like, put all his weight on it. Then on the way home, it wasn't free from incident. I'm coming down Green Tree Hill past Panera. It's a steep That's hill. A steep hill, yeah. And all of a sudden, I lose the handlebars. <laughs> so yeah, oh, it did was an absolute put the bike disaster. Or what? Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. You got to pump up the girl bike tires before you ride it into. That's right. Work, you know. Mm-hmm. I like the subtle dig there. The girl bike. But you have to sing, pump up the tires, pump it up. Dude, to answer you your question, it. it does not have a basket. Thank God you didn't. Cling, 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 cling. Thank God you didn't uh, go ass over teacups going down Green Tree oh my, Hill. That there. Oh, been I'd have been in the hospital. Tragic. Yeah, yeah, I'd have been in the hospital. I was holding it because I just <laughs> I didn't want the handlebars to come off and me to just be <laughs> holding them going down with no just hands. Just imagine what you would be thinking if you saw some guy in that situation. It's okay. Your pink helmet would have saved you. <laughs> yeah, Val. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 57 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Uh, this is a bizarre story. Six murders being linked to a man who killed himself yesterday at a hotel in Scottsdale, Arizona. Police say the killing spree started on Thursday with the death of well-known psychiatrist Stephen Pitt. Now, I didn't know who this guy was, but apparently he had something to do. He was involved in the John Benet Ramsey case. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, two paralegals were shot and killed, and another psychologist found dead early Saturday. Two more people found dead in the nearby community of Fountain Hills. Scottsdale police investigators say ballistics linked the first four murders while work is still underway to investigate the Fountain Hills deaths. Police say the suspect, Dwight Lamont James Jones, rather, died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound at a hotel as a SWAT team closed in. Police believe Jones intended to target people connect- connected to his divorce years ago. Crazy case. That is so yeah, that's, weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. Bill Clinton got a little testy in an interview with NBC's Craig Melvin over some questions about the Monica Lewinsky scandal 20 years ago. The former president appeared in a joint interview with author James Patterson to promote their new mystery thriller, The President is Missing. Clinton was asked about how he handled the Lewinsky scandal and if he would have done anything different in light of the Me Too movement. The interview became increasingly contentious when Melvin asked Clinton whether he has ever apologized to Lewinsky. You are giving one side and omitting facts. Mr. President, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to present a side. I'm no, not, no, I'm, you asked me if I agreed. The answer is no, I don't. And I, well, I asked if you'd ever apologized, and you said you had. I have. You've apologized to her. I apologize to everybody in the world. But you didn't apologize to her. I have not talked to her. Do you I, feel I, like I thought you owe it, her an apology? No, I do I, I, I do not, I've never talked to her, but I did say publicly on more than one occasion that I was sorry. That's very different. The apology was public. I don't think President, you think President Kennedy should have resigned? Do you believe President Johnson should have resigned? Uh, Someone should ask you these questions because of the way you formulate the questions. I dealt with it 20 years ago plus, and the American people, two thirds of them stayed with me. And I've tried to do a good job since then with my life and with my work. That's all I have to say to you. Uh, Boy, he sounds parched. Go away. And like he's 130 years old. I know. (laughs) I I, I mean, really, if if people don't see a blind spot with Bill Clinton after supporting him for all these years, they really need to double check. 
I mean, those answers are simply not good enough, especially in the hindsight of everything. How do you not re- at least reformulate and say, I should have done a better job? I and- mean, you could easily get out of that by just saying, you know what? I haven't had had the chance to. I thought there needed to be a lot of time to pass before we could you know, actually convey messages to one another and, and actually take them in. And uh, it's probably time I do something like that. So, I didn't- you know, anything to, that sounds better than my dad when I have busted him in a lie. Because that's what he sounds like. It's right. like my and dad when I know he's lying about, oh, you were at the casino all day? No, I wasn't at the casino all day. How is he, how was he not prepared with an answer? Because that's what I mean. Because he's I, an I thought, old doddering, uh, doddering old man at this well, point. Well, but he's know, still he's, making a ton of public appearances, and I thought well, the question was not totally loaded. loaded it and wasn't. It's not it a was hard pretty question innocuous, to answer. And he was just basically asking, given the Me Too movement and. Do you regret how you handled it? Anything? Oh, so Kennedy should have resigned because he got laid? I don't like, know. What you, a terrible answer. I don't answer. know if you heard what happened to Kennedy, yeah. but uh didn't end well for him. It just honestly, go keep going on walks and just stay out of the media. People have probably been lying on resumes since resumes were invented, but let this be a cautionary tale back in 2015. 41-year-old Cindy White landed a job at Human Resources at a food company about 30 miles north of New Orleans, but she really wasn't qualified, so she found a woman on LinkedIn with a similar name, copied her entire resume, and passed it off as her own. She even negotiated a starting salary of $95,000. Among other things, her fake resume said she went to Tulane and got her master's from Hebrew University in (laughs) Jerusalem. Oh, that's pretty special. Um, the funny thing is she was uh, good enough at the job she wasn't qualified for to get a big promotion five months into the job. She also got a $10,000 raise. However, eventually, somehow, someone started to get suspicious and found out what she did, and she got canned about seven months after she was hired. Then she got arrested for fraud Turned out she had somehow also stolen the other woman's social security number, (laughs) which I don't know how you do that from her resume, but last month she was sentenced to 10 years in prison and at least three other companies have come forward and said she did the same thing there. Starting to feel like she didn't graduate from that Hebrew school. (laughs) What leads you to believe that? (laughs) She doesn't know any Hebrew. (laughs) And there are certainly Hold on. We have to to welcome a guest to the studio who's walking in right now. Uh, the one it? and only. Who's behind door number one? Behind door number one. It's uh, the one and only Sean Casey, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, making his way into the studio. What's up, man? <laughs> How you doing? Going on, are right yeah, we're on. on. We're live on the radio right now. All oh, right, what's going on, guys? How are you, dude? What's, what's up, bro? RFK, I was listening on the way in. That was interesting stuff. That's kind of fascinating, right? Two shooters. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, I never heard that before ever. And in the never. last two weeks, all of a sudden, all this information comes out. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> People have been saying that for a long time. I know. It was awesome. I've been immune to it all. But uh, you know what? While we're talking about history, I wanted to do this while you were here. Okay. All right. Now, uh, y- you remember uh, a-, a time when uh, the band Sticks was on top of the world. Oh, yeah. Sure. Who doesn't? And then... Was Lady your uh, your high school lady? <laughs> you slow dance in the Friday night dance. But this song comes out, Mr. Roboto. Oh yeah, don't know where we got to, <laughs> Mr. Roboto. <laughs> All right, 
that the song, corniest ever. That song is the dumbest. Uh. It's the corniest, stupidest thing ever, and it broke up the band. It was so <laughs> corny. The rest of Sticks couldn't take it anymore. All right, he dragged them into this musical theater. He being Dennis DeYoung, the de facto leader of the band. Well. They just announced after years after they basically kicked him out of the band because they couldn't take him anymore, that they're going to start playing Mr. Roboto again, right? Live in concert. The song that broke them up because they hated it so much. So Dennis DeYoung is kind of furious about it. He says, vindication, redemption, exoneration. Nah, I've already seen the current spin cycle. It's just two guys, Tommy Shaw and JY, James Young, finally admitting the obvious and is always following the money can't imagine how many times the boys were asked the question hey how come you ain't playing roboto but no this song ruined the band and so now 35 years later nearly to the date tommy quit the band on stage in dc because of kilroy and mr roboto is now resurrected hallelujah (laughs) so here's the thing he really wants to rejoin the band all right so i thought we'd go back and look at the sticks behind the music right and take a look at the most legendary in my uh, opinion, behind the music of VH1, Sean. The sticks behind the music. What I think I provided for sticks was leadership, not control. I know you feel these are the words. <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams could I have ever imagined sticks performing a concert without me. Oh, uh, but they would. <laughs> oh, they so did. many concerts. Many, many. So many, yes. For decades. <laughs> so here's the thing. He was the head of the band. You got it, you know, like they didn't like it. I always describe Sticks as a democracy of which I was the president. But there always was the Houses of Congress to deal with. Right. So he was basically like this Broadway bully that would come in and present these songs. And uh, early in their career, they had two or three flop albums. And he started to do the more like Broadway show tunes. And he did Lady. Baby, I love you. Know, you. Well, they worked. They all worked. Those are the ones we know. This is what Sean Casey making a good point here. <laughs> They all worked. These are the ones we know. Lady, though, was the one uh, that sent their original guitar player. He's like, I'm out. I'm like, Dude, I don't want to do this. I am out of here. So then they... <laughs> just, just hearing that song makes me laugh. And Come song, on, play some so more of it. I want to hear them break in. <laughs> Lady, <laughs> such a great song. When you're with me, I'm smiling. <laughs> so then they bring Tommy Shaw into the band. The guy was Tommy Shaw. A guitarist whom Bose had last seen perform with a local Chicago band called MS Funk. The audition was simple. One, you had to have good hair. Two, you had to play guitar a little bit. And uh, he had to come in and be able to sing the highest parts in Lady. Okay, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Not many requirements. Yeah. So they they didn't hang out. Uh, You know, the band becomes huge. Tommy fits in great. And he's like, hey, man, we never hung out. Like, we just weren't cool with one another because Dennis was this, I mean, he was just this guy who was a kind of a pain in the butt. And then he kept writing these more <laughs> mellow tunes. It was one thing, but when it came to first time, it was like, no, no, we just can't do that. That can't be who, who we become. Do you remember that? What is that? I don't remember <laughs> that. You know, we didn't have to stretch out into... Barry Manilow's territory. And, Called him uh, Barry so we put our foot down. I had gotten a phone call that Tommy Shaw did not want first time released as a single. And that he was going to quit the band if it was released. Just quit. 
That February, the members of Styx met in a Southside oh, Chicago hotel voice. to confront the growing split in the band. I get fired. <laughs> <laughs> they fired Dennis DeYoung for writing that song. They're like, dude, that is so lame. You're fired. <laughs> He's like, it's my band. And they're like, fired. You're out of here. You're fired. So they couldn't, literally could not find a replacement, and they hire him back. So now he comes back, and he's super pissed. He's I like, don't remember that either. fire me, huh? Eight weeks later. <laughs> fire yeah. me, huh? So they, he, he writes the Grand Illusion. Uh, what is that album. that? that album. Yeah. Number one. Boom. Huge. <laughs> what was I'm, that, like 78, 79? I think so. Isn't that the one that has, like, Lorelei on it? And, is the Best of Times on that? I think so, yeah. So, I mean. I'm just thinking about. Tonight's the night we'll make <laughs> I saw sticks with my my high school girlfriend Julie Gold down at Station Square back in the day. What year was it? Like ninety two, I think. So ninety one. Oh wow, that might have been. Where'd you see her at Rod Woodson's Grill? Yes, yeah. I think we parked there. Got some chicken wings. So then he's like, "All right." I just wrote this number one album when I came back. Now they got to do whatever I want. And in his head, he's like, we're doing Roboto. It's coming, baby. But Dennis was already planning the group's most ambitious concept album yet. Kilroy. Titled Kilroy was here. It tackled themes of censorship, rock and roll rebellion, and the dangers of technology. I see a future without rock and roll music. I really just kind of came up empty. I just couldn't think of songs about robots. <laughs> Tommy Shaw hates it. Absolutely hates it. And he starts boozing and doing cocaine to just get through show. every show because now they're doing like theaters. They go on tour for Mr. Roboto. By the way, losing a ton of money. Number one. Number one record. Number one song. So how do they capitalize on it? He develops a basically a musical and makes them act. <laughs> and they take it to small theaters and they lose their ass. It, they, they're just losing money hand over fist. So their manager's like, Dennis, dude, shake yourself. Mr. Roboto, costing us a lot of money. We got to start doing some stadium shows. So they're like, okay, we'll, we'll figure this out. So, what stadium show do they book? The Cotton Bowl, an all-day rock festival where they're the headliners and they're going to do Mr. Roboto live. Listen to who was on the undercard of this bill. Sticks looked to offset their losses as they embarked on a lucrative stadium tour. At the Cotton Bowl in Texas, Sticks was set to follow some of the era's hardest rocking acts. Hey, that's great. Sticks, Triumph, Nugent, Blue Oyster Cult. Sammy Hagar was the special guest. That would have been a great show. Oh, yeah, that's a great it show. It started at 2 in the afternoon. I think the temperature was probably about 102, 103. Oh. Everybody was getting just terribly pissy with booze, people running around, fist fights. I'm thinking, in a few minutes, I've got to walk out there and stand on that stage for 10 minutes going, but Kilroy, what about the young people of America? <laughs> They're going to kill me. I'm going to die in Texas. This was Quaaludes, Jack Daniels, and Show Us Your... They did not want to see robots and rubber suits and actors. I could be the 
Oh, By the wow. end of the bottle, you could see that there was a traffic jam trying to get away from the stadium version of Killer. And it was depressing, it was heartbreaking, but we had to press on and we had to take Shakespeare into a football stadium. Disaster. Oh my, oh my God. What would you have given oh to see those audience members' reaction Anything. after boozing and, uh, and partying all day in a stadium? We've got to track heat. down footage from that whole show. Yeah. That's got to like, be I got to see that show. I got to see their performance in context. At the cotton With the buildup, knowing what's coming. I want to yeah. see Hagar to Sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I can't drive 55 to Doma where he got though, Mr. Roboto. So Tommy quits the band. That's Later. it. He wasn't just leaving the tour. He was quitting the band. I felt like, well, I'm not doing the music that I like anymore. You know, I'm not inspired. Uh, it's not fun anymore. I'm out of here. Yeah, so he quits the band. He joins Damn Yankees. Styx goes on without him with other members. Uh, and he they get a substitute, Glenn something or other, plays guitar for them. And they put out an original album. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Meanwhile, Damn Yankees kicks Can ass. you take me higher? And he yeah. starts making fun of Dennis DeYoung on, on stage. Meanwhile, Tommy had joined Damn Yankees, a rock supergroup with veterans Ted Nugent and Jack Blades. And upset Dennis by poking fun at his biggest hit ballad. And start playing the opening notes to Babe. Ted would come over and tell me, uh, I think your guitar is a little out of tune. Why don't you let me touch it up for you? He'd take it up and smash it into a million pieces. It was funny. But now listen to what happens. Later that summer, the Sticks and Damn Yankees tours cross paths. Uh -oh. We're staying in the same hotel, and I didn't see him, but I get on the elevator, and the door opens. Oh my! And there's Tommy. Listen, let's just let's sit down and let's straighten this out right now. I said, "Look, man, I don't know why you're doing that. If you if you want to hurt me, it, it, you know, it, it's working." I said, "But I don't know why you would do that to us, to what we created together." I I promised Dennis, I gave him my word that I would never make fun of Babe like that again, and uh, I've kept that promise. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> I promise I'll never make fun of Babe again. And I haven't. I, I mean, promise. Do you think he's that like... anybody knows of. <laughs> I only make fun of it privately now. Well, this is the extended version. Oh, dude. I mean, the extended version is so bad. Okay, so now all is well. They go off on their separate uh, tours. Sticks goes on as Sticks, and they kind of, kind of founder and have a trouble finding any success post Tommy Shaw. And so the uh, record company wants to put out a greatest hits, and they recorded uh, "Lady." with another record company that wouldn't give him the rights. So Dennis asks Tommy to come back to re-record Lady because, you know, he could hit that <laughs> high note. So they do it, and they all get along, and they go, look, there's so much money on the table. Let's go out there, and let's tour. And what year is this? This is the early 90s. This might have been the one wow. you saw, Case. Oh, oh yeah, I So was they there. go out, <laughs> and they kick ass two tours. Crush it. So Tommy's like, all right, you know what? I don't care about the Mr. Roboto stuff. This I should have pass. more irons in the fire like this. I'll do a damn Yankees tour. I do a Sticks tour. He did a bluegrass album in between. You know, he was just always working or whatever. So that then they come up with this idea they're going to do the 30th, I think, anniversary of the Grand Illusion. And the, the tour manager lays it out. He's like, money in the bank. And the whole band is like, yeah. Yes. Except one person, Dennis, Dennis. DeYoung. Oh. He goes, <clears throat> 
Guess everyone's wondering what I think about this. <laughs> Says he doesn't want to do it because he has exhaustion and he can't figure out what the exhaustion is about. So he goes to all these doctors. He's like, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. Here's what's wrong with Dennis. And uh, the upshot of it is um, I, I've become light sensitive. Light sensitive. <laughs> So, and it took me almost a year of going to the doctors to figure out it was the light that was causing me to be fatigued and causing my face to heat up. And uh, it, was a, it was a nightmare experience for me. Dennis says he's been to 16 doctors and they can't figure out what's wrong with him. I mean, I mean I'm going to let that stand as a statement. You know? If they can't figure it out, I don't know how I'm supposed to. So, I can't believe James J.Y. Young didn't beat the crap out of Dennis. That was J.Y. at the end of it. He wants to. The whole time when you watch this, the band wants to beat up Dennis D. Young. There's only one problem with the case. He writes all the hits. <laughs> He's the reason there's sticks. Yes. <laughs> the, the conclusion you have to draw is that they didn't want to be in sticks. It's Dennis D. Young's band, and none of them wanted to be in it. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and, and so, how do you react to that? Well, you fire Dennis DeYoung again. Dennis was so good for this band for the first 10 years, but it's really been all about him for himself, in my judgment, ever since then. For Dennis, it was either his way or the highway, and we've chosen the highway. They sued, so, so, so they sued Dennis DeYoung, basically, out of the band. And he wanted control of the name of Sticks. Babe, I'll well, sue you. <laughs> <laughs> but he so he wanted control of the name and the judge said no they can use the name sticks oh you get to be dennis de young so <laughs> i get to be myself they go out on tour they find this guy in montreal who sounds exactly like dennis de young except he doesn't piss them all off <laughs> they like him so they go out and they're singing all these songs from like the early era, era where they kind of rocked a little harder. And they're like, all right, dude, this is our happy spot. Let's just do this. The band's kicking ass right now. Let's just let's screw Dennis. So Mr. Roboto being the dividing point for all of this originally, they decide this week they're going to start doing it again. And Dennis DeYoung oh, is furious. So and I understand oh, why. Yeah, be pissed. I'm on Dennis DeYoung's side. <laughs> screw Dennis DeYoung. Yeah, I'm with you, I, Dude, I think I he's, just can't. But. Their success it feels is a little like Journey. A little bit. A yeah. little bit. A little yeah. bit. I know he's annoying. I mean, when I watch this, when he said the lights were making it, I mean, I'm sure light sensitivity <laughs> is a thing. 16 doctors said they couldn't figure it out. He decided to say, it's the lights that are getting me. Case, you ever miss a game because of lights? No, never. Not because right. of the lights. Wait, like, tell- look, you wuss. Put on some blue blockers and start cashing checks. <laughs> yeah, clean it up. We're going on tour. They cut stuff out of that behind the music. The original one, when you watch it, there's he has a couple nervous breakdowns on planes, and they had footage of his wife talking about it. He must have had them remove it. Because I couldn't find it online, oh, and it was so. I remember funny. his wife. Being well, like they're flying it, yeah. around and had to t- make emergency like landings because oh, Dennis DeYoung's hyperventilating. <laughs> I picture that he was has he- some vault filled with glitter, like Scrooge McDuck, when he can dive <laughs> off of it, and he just writes his songs from in there. I just wish he always wore that, like the blackjack, the riverboat gambler yeah. outfit. <laughs> Everywhere he went. It's obviously his world, and everyone was just living it, right? Hey, man. Yep. He wrote all the hey, hits, man. Case. <laughs> hey, man, come on. So now he wants back in the band. And I'll leave you with this. This was no. Sticks the movie that Dennis DeYoung produced at one point. The vision of its own identity has become blinded by the glitter of its own device. The time has come for some changes. For the one band with the power to reach beyond what has been and explore what could be. 
but only a band that has played a thousand nights on the road and represented this nation on every continent of the globe is worthy of that task. The time has come. Five men have made the decision to bring back paradise. <laughs> Everything sounds so... Paradise. <laughs> when Stick's coming here, Val? July 21st, I believe. Without Dennis DeYoung. I say, Unless he can weasel his way back into the band. I bet he does. I'm on Team Dennis DeYoung. I want to see Dennis DeYoung doing Mr. Roboto. No way. I don't want to see I it. do, too. I'm kind of on Dennis's team. <laughs> <laughs> Got a raw deal. And he did. It's his band that they didn't want to be in. No, but he kept well, writing so- songs that nobody in the Like, here's so- the thing. You can't write songs continuously that the rest of the band doesn't like. Well, you could look at it as either they kicked him out or they all just left him. Why did they? Why did people go to the concerts? For those songs. That's the right. Those for songs. years. For those songs he was writing. Exactly. Come sail away. Come sail away. Who go, who goes who who draws a bigger crowd? Dennis DeYoung solo or Sticks? Sticks because they have the name. I'm just saying. Know. I have forever thought he's the most hilarious person in rock and roll, but he's got a great point. <laughs> he he's playing point. the Palace Theater in when? October. Oh, we got to get it's, him on the air. It's the, I think, the 40th oh, anniversary. You have of to get him on the air. Dude, that was so theater. good. All right, more with Sean Casey when we return, and uh, less behind the music, more in front of Casey. <laughs> DVE Sports. All right, Sean Casey's hanging out with us in the studio. What's up, guys? It's not just sticks talk. Mike uh, Pursuta with a quick update on what's going on. Hockey sticks. There you go. Capitals now have a 97% chance of winning the Stanley Cup based on their 6-2 win in Game 4 over the Golden Knights last night in the Stanley Cup Final. Teams that achieve a three-games-to-one series lead since 1939, which Washington has now done, have gone 32-1 and in terms of finishing it off. Only the 1942 Detroit Red Wings uh, have failed in such a situation. The Wings were up 3 to nothing on Toronto, and the Leafs rallied for four straight wins. Was that their last cup, 1942? No, I think they have one since then. <laughs> I think that would be 1967. Game 5 is uh, Thursday night in Vegas. The Pirates uh, get cranked up again tonight, the first of three against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Joe Musgrove takes a 2-0 record and a 0.64 <laughs> ERA to the mound against Ross Stripling, who's 3-1, and 1.68. The Pirates have lost 12-16. They're 30-29 and 29 on the season. The Dodgers check in at 29-30, and 30, and their starting staff is in disarray to the extent that they don't know who they're going to pitch on Wednesday, and uh, they're starting Dennis Santana on Thursday. He's pitched 3.2 innings this season. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for yeah. them. Uh, in the... Uh, 2018 first-year player draft, uh, the Pirates made South Alabama junior outfielder Travis Swaggerty. Swaggerty. 10th yeah. overall pick. You know the dude? Yeah, good athlete, man. Yeah. Yeah, can, can hit. Uh, he's hit for power the last couple years. Uh, you know, it's a nice pickup. It's a really nice it's How a much does nice, college nice uh, pretend a good uh, MLB career versus somebody who can uh, really rake in the minors? Uh, well, I think the you know they they look at college guys as that that's kind of like a low low a division one college good division one college like probably like a low A ball so they mm-hmm. they figure that if you hit well there that you're, you're going to be pretty good. This kid's a really good athlete. Like I said, gap to back gap power can play center field can play all over the place. So it's going to be good. You know, I love the name uh, too. Swaggerty. Swaggerty. How do you not love that? If he starts raking, 
This guy got some swag. <laughs> <laughs> you know anything about these two pitchers? They took uh, 36th and 51st overall, Gunnar Hogland or Braxton Ashcraft, two high school guys. Yeah, the Ashcraft guy, really good athlete, uh, really good football player, quarterback. I guess uh, um, Joe Delacari was saying that uh, he's, uh, you know, just – as the years gone on, is is you know his athleticism shows got a big power arm. Both those guys have power arms, so those are two two nice pickups. Donald Trump told the Eagles uh, not to bother showing up today. <laughs> oh, you don't want to come? You're not invited. How do you like that? Can't that happened, fire that, me. I quit. That happened shortly after Donald Trump was told there would be less than ten Eagles actually showing up. <laughs> More fly Eagles behavior. fly, just not to DC. <laughs> That's great. There is no party. How do you like that? <laughs> yeah. Steelers didn't have an OTA yesterday. They went to Dave and Buster's for a little team bonding, team building. They are scheduled to be back on the field today. And uh, the NFL world mourning the passing of former 49ers wide receiver Dwight Clark. Oh, the catch, who, man. Who passed away at <clears throat> 61 after a, a long bout with Lou Gehrig's disease. That uh, catch occurred in the 1982 NFC Championship game, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark. That is about as memorable a play in the NFL as there is. Yeah, it is. It's right up there on the short yeah. list with any. Uh, the the right pass the and the catch. The end zone, the remarkable. Catch. Over Everson Walls. Yes. And Montana holding it, holding <clears throat> it, and evading the rush and putting it right where it had to be. Long, dude, yeah, the, that was, that was a golden era of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I guess any time when you're a kid, you probably always consider things to be like the golden era. But to <laughs> me, that for the for the NBA and the NFL, it really was. I thought a special time back then. Oh, it really was. It was <laughs> tough that the Steelers stunk so bad <laughs> right. in the '80s. Was that that was uh, that was Mark Malone, Bubby Brister, among others? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cliff Stout, Oof. brutal, brutal times. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Brutal times. It's like, well, there's other good teams. <laughs> Can enjoy the rest of the, the NFL. Broad, Bradshaw transition. <laughs> yeah, but Steeler fans probably love that because it kept the Cowboys from going to the Super Bowl that year. Nothing was better, too, than the NBA playoffs back then, don't you think? Like, when you watch it now, you look back, like, the Magic, you know, Lakers, Celtics. It was oh, yeah, a lot was... of the same teams. It was, you know, Gervin and uh, the Spurs had good teams. Yep. And the Lakers, the Celtics, the Sixers. Sixers. The were, Pistons. Oh, and the Pistons. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the Bulls in the 90s. But, you know, in the 80s, man. It was so awesome. It was a lot of the same teams, so but those awesome. were great series to watch. Yeah. Larry Bird just dominating. It seemed like there were a lot more fights on the court back then, too. There were. There definitely were. What's the best baseball fight you ever saw? Best baseball fight. Um, <clears throat> one of the craziest fights was. Um, well, I got two really quick. <laughs> <laughs> the the one uh, Kyle Farnsworth. Remember Kyle? Farnsworth? Oh, dude, he oh, was my a gosh. House. Oh my gosh! So one time we're playing him in 2003. We're in Cincinnati, and uh, there was a, it was a little t- some testiness going on in the series, and Paul Wilson, one of our, our pitcher, goes to, goes to turn and bunt, and and Farnsworth like throws one up and in on him. And Paul Wilson says to him, hey, man, that's a little close. You'd have thought he said something about his mother. You know, he's like, your mother's going to... It's the first time I've ever seen the pitcher charge a hitter. Call <laughs> 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 Kyle 
Farnsworth came off the mound, charged Paul Wilson in the batter's box, picked him up uh, WWE Goldberg style, slams him on the ground. Next thing you know, I'm out there like, you know, like you know, Braveheart. Here we go, William Wallace. Here we go, man. We're all in the pile, right? It's unbelievable. I, I get to the bottom. I pull Paul Wilson out. He literally, it looks like someone had a knife and was trying to pull his eyeball out. Oh my god, oh my god, Willie, what happened to your eye, dude? He goes, Kyle Fardsworth was trying to rip my eyeball out underneath the pile. <laughs> oh my god. And he had like these really long fingernails. That's how he hold his like knuckle curve or something. He had like a fingernail. It was like a knife and it was in Paul Wilson's eye. He was trying oh, to pull dude. it out. <laughs> oh God. Farnsworth was attacked by Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> unbelievable. Farnsworth was six four. Oh, he's a monster. And had to be what? Could squat like 500 pounds. I was in the, in the weight room one time. I was squatting. I'm like, oh, my God, is he a defensive lineman? Or? His legs were so enormous. Big. He was so big. Oh, that dude was He said, what'd you say? And Paul was like, I said it was a little too close. Why are you, <laughs> why are you charging me? <laughs> more with Sean Casey. Quick break, and we'll be right back. The DVE Morning Show. Sean Casey is here. We just watched the video of the fight that you were describing, the <laughs> Kyle Farnsworth Teeing off on was that Paul Wilson? A, a monster. It's always unbelievable. I mean, full blood, insane. <laughs> you never had to. <laughs> you never the plate. You never had like a Nolan Ryan uh, kind of charge the uh, pitcher moment or anything like that, did you? I never did, but I I was in a co- I got suspended a couple times for like running out to the to defend. Like, do you remember that it was a huge fight? Oh wait, uh, when it was. Um, the, the Rays versus the Red Sox when he when James Shield threw the Coco Crisp, Coco Crisp came out man it yeah. was, and Shields threw one of the biggest haymakers ever I mean and Coco like like Matrix style just dodged it I couldn't believe he dodged it bam he throws two shots and then I come flying out like you know <laughs> like I don't even know as fast as I've ever run I was one of the first guys out there like all right here we go who am I going after and like and like. On the ground next to me, when you look at the replay, there's Coco Chris getting bundled by Johnny Gomes, but I run right by that. I just I go, oh, you right, Coco? You just keep getting killed by Johnny Gomes. Dude, Coco Crisp, to- Matrix is the total description of what he did in that fight. Oh, it's unbelievable. He, he charges the mound. Shields just throws a punch as hard as he can, and Coco Crisp bends backwards <laughs> from the torso, like... From the way, isn't, isn't that unbelievable? That defied gravity right there. Did he do it in slow motion? It, it looked like it was. And then I come flying in, right? And I kind of, I, I go to go after Shields, right? So I, I go to hit him, and Demarlo Hale, Demarlo Hale, who's our third base coach, grabs Shields and he goes off the back of the mound with him. So instead of hitting Shields, I'm like, oh my god, there's nobody in front of me. So I look like a total idiot. So I just drop a random Macho Man Savage elbow, right on the, <laughs> boom, right on the rubber. So like I throw a punch, there's nobody. I turn it into an elbow drop. Boom. I land on the mound and I'm like, ah, ah, I think I hit my elbow. <laughs> the chalk flies the chalk up. Flies. A, yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got three games. I watched the film with Bob Watson. I'm like, Bob, I didn't hit anybody. I hit the rubber. He goes, yeah, as soon as you pull your hand back, though, it's three games. I go, no you want to hit anybody? Yeah. Oh, dude, oh, I'm God. watching this now, and you're you're sorting things out after the fight. <laughs> the skirmish looks like you're going to make sure the rubber's okay. I was like, is there? <laughs> I was like, I'll pay for the rubber, guys. I think I heard it. <laughs> dude, uh, there's Madden. That, that uh, wait, oh, yeah. where do you weigh in on everything that went down with Rizzo last week? By the way. And I oh. see Madden in this video, and it just pissed me yeah, off yeah, back yeah. when he was with the Rays. You know what? I know Rizzo well, and I just know he's not a dirty player at the, at the end of the day. Do I think, obviously, a couple years ago, that's a clean play? Clean play. And I think when, I think when you're in the mindset of you know, kind of a, that 
that mindset when you're coming into the play, you kind of, I don't know, you still think about maybe just getting his, his ankle or something. I don't know. What Diaz was saying that he could have ruined my career, I don't think that. Come on. He could have ankle to ankle on him, you know what I mean? And What about the no response from the Buccos? Did you think that there should have been something, even if uh, it was not a dirty play? Uh, I think there. I still think there might be down the. I mean, I think in baseball, that's one of those unwritten rules that doesn't have to happen in that series. It can happen down the road. But if Diaz feels, uh, you know, uh, you know that he was, you know, wronged or whatever, well, maybe one of the pitchers takes it in their own hands. But I don't think Rizzo meant to, meant for it to be a dirty play. I just really don't. Is the Buster only rule a bad rule? Uh, the Buster Posey rule. Posey, I'm sorry. Only. Um, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Buster only. <laughs> but Buster Posey rule. Uh, I'd say a lot of catchers still like that. Still, they they like to play at the plate. They like the collision. Most of the guys I talk to, but I do see what it is. I mean, you you got a guy like Buster Posey. You got these great players, and you know they're 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 left out to dry sometimes. That ACL he had was was big. So I kind of do like the fact that uh, you know you can't plow a catcher anymore, and the, and the, also the rule at second base. I mean the Chase Utley rule. I just think that you shouldn't be able to leave the baseline to do it. I think if there's a play at the plate, you should be allowed to have a play at the plate. Yeah, I, I, the collision. It seems the, to me, I, the, doesn't it seem to be much easier to discern between a dirty play, uh, whether it's second base or at home plate, at home plate. that to ha- like put these rules in place that just stop people from even trying to make the slide is kind of hurting the game? Well, I, I, and I'm all about player safety, but like also no, you got to be able to slide hard in the second. There's got to be some action. Yeah, I, 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 that's a big thing. For us as players, you know, when you're, when you're going into second, your big thing was, I remember Jim Leland's whole speech in 2006 was, you know, uh, uh, you know, he, when he came in, we were playing the Yankees. He's like, I want to see Derek Jeter in there. I want to see him, you know, I want, I want to see him on his back. You know, it was a big thing to like, okay, you're coming in a second. You're coming in hard. Make sure these guys don't turn two. And that was like kind of a badge of, you know, honor there. Now it's just slide in. You could turn too easy. There's, you don't have to jump, you know, none of that stuff. You know? They've yeah. overcomplicated it to the point where the, the play at the plate now is like the catch roll in the NFL. Yeah. They don't know what it is because they reviewed it and they were like, yep, yeah, the ruling is. Good. No, it's true. And then you're like, oh, did he block the plate? Did he not block the plate? You know, did he take it away too early? You know, yeah, you're right. It's and also too, if you've been watching, there's been a lot of bench clears at second base because guys slide in, they slide in hard. It happened with the Cubs and the Buccos. Yeah, guys. and they, they don't. Yeah, exactly. Was that Musgrove yeah. and yeah. Bias? Yeah. Well, the guys back in the day used to act like a first baseman and get off as quick as they could. Now they're just lazy. They catch it. The guy comes in hard. That's just it. The owner should be on the shortstop or the second yes. baseman, whoever's covering there, to. Get out of the way of the runner, not get, the other way around. Get out of the way, dude. Guys are still Like, coming. if you want to try to, to stay there and make the play and steady yourself for a better throw, that's on you. Exactly. You're going to get hit. You're st- I think you're, st- you're still going to get hit. That guy's coming in hard. But I've seen all, like, that Baez-Musgrove thing. That's happened a bunch of times this oh, year. Baez didn't even try. He wasn't even worried about that. So are yeah. you, He just are, parked on second. Right. Yeah. Are yeah. you on Jason yeah. Kendall's side when it comes to the plate, though? Because no. remember, he was saying that Diaz- No, because it's against the rule. He's he. Kendall was misinterpreting the rule. Yeah. The rule as it is right now, that broke it. That broke the rule. You can't you can't like intentionally go, right? You and Kendall's saying no it didn't. <laughs> yeah, you did can't. Did he say it didn't break the rule or just he thought it was avoidable? Sissy. Yeah, he I, I thought his point was if he's if Diaz is playing it properly, it doesn't even happen. Oh, I I had interpreted it as him saying, "No, there's nothing wrong with that." I I think he, he I think he was talking about the style of base. How much further? I mean, Diaz is a few, I don't know. He's what two feet yeah. off the be- off the plate. Yeah, I not, think as a catcher, enough, you, you should yep. probably try to get yourself out of the way 
as quickly as possible. Like you got to know that a lot of guys in the league still have that muscle memory. Right. They're going to try to hard slide into you, and you got to you got to get, get out of the get way. Get moving. Get moving. I don't mind having a rule that prohibits somebody from running out of the base path, out of the line of the plate or the bag in order to take somebody out. But when somebody's going at home plate or second base to go hard into the base, that's part of the game. It yeah. always has been. And right. I'm not sure. But they used to have that definition where if you could touch the base, you were okay. Right. So if and your the, pinky could touch it as you slide by trying to They don't kick. have that. I mean, Russo's waist went over home plate. He's a big guy. He, he clearly changed his yeah. approach. You, you, you got, you but got he was a, not ridiculously away from home no i agree but he still ran out of the baseline like he He was changed he changed changed his course course yeah i mean you're allowed to run out you know what i'm saying remember do you remember the slide to second base hal mccray the royals yeah do you remember that slide please look at this slide really quick it is epic that that's the rules should have been changed back then i only remember him throwing a phone at somebody that was asking him a question 1977 game two of the alcs yeah is it against the yankees uh, yeah, here it is against the yankees is it of willie randolph yes watch this slide <laughs> oh my god he's he 10 goes, feet 10 past, feet the, past the base you got it Randy? oh yeah yeah i mean <laughs> You know. That's next level. And the run scores. Took him out like a bowling pin. He literally tackled him at second base. But that was the mentality so that's of the guys. That's good baseball to me. That was the mentality of those guys. The, yeah. the rules changed over All the years right. to, to stop that. Billy Martin is out there screaming about it, you know, right. after the fact. And that that's egregious. <laughs> that's egregious. All right. That's egregious. You can't take the second yeah. baseman into the outfield. <laughs> that was a little much. <laughs> I mean, that's that's extreme. Uh, uh, Sean Casey with us uh, right now on the DV Morning Show. i got to take a break. Are you hanging with us? Yeah. We have Billy to. Gardell on, too. Oh, great. Cool. All right. Oh, it's coming up next. Oh. Berg. They didn't want to be in Sticks. It's Dennis DeYoung's band, and none of them wanted to be in it. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and, and so how do you react to that? Well, you fire Dennis DeYoung again. Dennis was so good for this band for the first 10 years, but it's really been all about him for himself in my judgment ever since then. For Dennis, it was either his way or the highway, and we've chosen the highway. They sued, so, so, so they sued Dennis DeYoung basically out of the band, and he wanted control of the name of Sticks. Babe, I'll well, sue you. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. All right, Show. Sean Casey's hanging out with us in studio. Gardell is a little late on the call there, but I still stand by that. Like, while I agree, I can. I don't want to be in a band with Dennis DeYoung. It's still, it, it was his band. He got screwed. And they were like, you know what? Why don't we just take the crowd that loves the us and get rid of the guy who's a pain in the butt? And guy wrote all the songs. Get rid of him. It's He's so, got light sensitivity. He can't go on tour. <laughs> the 17th doctor said he did. <laughs> Come on, He's man. so funny. He was, the one tour, the reason he had exhaustion is because he was casting the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I was flying to Nashville and New York, and I was just casting this musical. Wait, that's not a that's not a joke. That no, no, he real. was actually doing that, like casting. Then it. in 1995, Sticks suddenly had new life. A and M wanted to repackage our greatest hits, and they wanted to get the rights to do Lady, and um, Wooden Nickel wouldn't allow it. 
But there's a loophole in the contract which said if you re-recorded it, you could do it. So I came up with the idea of re-recording the song with Tommy. <laughs> Tommy and JY went to Dennis's house. Hi, Tommy. How are you? And they harmonized together for the first time since 1984. You're my lady. <laughs> and I sang that high note, <laughs> and they got me the job in the first place. And it was fun. It seemed like all oh, it seemed like the past was kind of behind us. It was great. Uh, Tommy, yeah. JY, and Dennis decided to take the Sticks reunion on tour. The next year, they marked the 20th anniversary of their breakout album, Grand Illusion. It was a short tour. Dennis had a prior commitment to stage his musical adaptation of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. On tour with Sticks, I was flying to New York and Nashville and Chicago casting. For the Hunchback premiere that was going to be in September. And, uh, <laughs> after the premiere, Dennis suffered a devastating bout with the flu. I had really worked myself physically and emotionally to, to a nub. Yeah, that's when he had the light sensitivity. Billy Gardell is on the line right now. What's up, Billy? How you doing? What's happening, everybody? It sounds like a party's going on in there. Well, we got Sean Casey here, and we've been... Uh, a one-man party. We've been laughing about the band Sticks and uh, their uh, the lawsuits that have sort of torn the band apart and they have announced they're going to start doing uh mr roboto again live in concert and you know dennis DeYoung, the guy who got fired because he wrote mr roboto <laughs> now now wants to get back into the band so it's just good stuff what well i certainly hope that all that works out yeah you know? yeah that's, that's at the top of my list i hope sticks pulls it together well you, you love billy you love that song didn't you mr roboto no. <laughs> I, had to, I had to sing that song. Um, I did one of my first appearances ever on television was uh, on the King of Queens. And me and this other gentleman, we were on the football team and we came back and we were we were bullies to Patton Oswald. And uh, it was a fun episode. And we, we get into it and we take Patton out to this place and we leave him there like an old prank in high school. And the three of us had to sing Mr. Roboto in the car about 9,000 times. And if I never hear that song, I never saw that episode. Oh, you're right. Right. King of Queens. To you, Bill. You're just a spiteful little man. Ah, that might become your theme music. All I want to hear is Renegade. I don't care about nothing else. Yeah, see, Sticks is our band. I mean, that's uh, the, you know, no, Renegade. No, no, no. That is our song. They are not our band. <laughs> we'll take that one, and you can them. have everything else. If you can't fix a 76 Nova on a brick street to it, you shouldn't be listening. <laughs> brick street. How did they play playoff games here? Live? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've done live performances. What did they do they to also, piss they, us off? Though? Nashville, they were down at yeah, that's right. Uh, oh yeah, for the Stanley Cup. That's right. During, Predators during the Stanley Cup, they played. what were they doing during the Stanley Cup? They were playing for the Predators against the Penguins. They were okay, performing. Well, uh, maybe it's time to change our song. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis DeYoung was performing his adaptation of Cats. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put the leotard on, Dennis. I told you. We're a rock band. Listen, we're making a comeback. Now you put it on. <laughs> put that robe back. Who's got the glow sticks? Did, you have the glow? Did I tell you? 
Dude, that that behind the music is so funny it's to constantly watch. Constantly taking the band in a direction they don't want to go in. Yeah, he, he. I actually have a dilemma musically right now. Maybe you can Which help is. me with it. All right. Uh, well, you know Lindsey Buckingham, right? Can be kind of a you know not a good person. Yeah, he's a little, a little uh, a argumentative. A yeah, diva's a good word. I mean, it's... Little, little, little divish. He left Fleetwood Mac. Well, he says he got fired, but yeah. Whatever, got fired because he didn't want to go on tour until he wanted to go on tour, and the band's ready to rock and roll, and I want to see him. Okay, so let's put that in there, too. All right. I'm a big fan of, of Mick. I'm a big fan of Stevie Nicks. I'm a big fan of the rest of the band. My like problem these. is... Yeah, McVie, Christy McVie, absolutely. The problem is they picked up Mike Campbell who from Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, yeah. and I think yeah. he's going to be phenomenal. And they got the kid from Crowded House who has kind of a semi-haunting voice like Buckingham. Crowded House. Crowded House. Well, well, I knew I wasn't going to get blasted. (laughs) (laughs) They got him down there from that crowded house. (laughs) He's good. I got a T-shirt. That might be the best people they got in that house. Best Pittsburgh band. You want to talk crowded house? Crowded house. That ain't a crowded house. I'm I grew going up on a secret house. <laughs> <laughs> but do you go see like those are good choices? Do you go see Fleetwood Mac? Yes, you going. know why, I Bill? I'm gonna go. I think I'm going. You know why you go? You gotta go because they're gonna die. <laughs> they're old. The reason yeah. they're pissed at Lindsey Buckingham is he's like, well, why don't we wait till mid 2019 to do this? That right. way I can do. And they're like, no. Hey, have you seen Mick? <laughs> yeah. Grinding, he's grinding back there in the bongos. He looks like the <laughs> crypt keeper. I'm really. I've been on a tear with classic rock lately because when that goes away, I, all I'm going to have left are my records. Are they playing yeah. the Hollywood Bowl? I'm very. I, I'm no. I'm gonna go. They're gonna be at the forum out here, so I'm gonna go see them at the forum. Huge show. But I've been really like. I just took Will to see Paul Simon, and uh, how was know, it? Gonna, he was really good. He's really, here really in, what, good. September. Yeah. That's yeah, it was a really good concert, man. And he had probably maybe fifteen to twenty of the most amazing musicians I've ever seen in a live concert on stage with him. It was really, really good. No Garfunkel uh, though. No, it's, he does. It, Garfunkel's like you when I come to town. He leaves. <laughs> really don't, don't say that. He, he goes out of town. That hurts he me. Hang out. Um, he's out of time seeing crowded eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've been taking Will to these classic rocks because uh, I'm, you know, that when that's over, I'm I'm officially the old guy that won't listen to new music. It's sad, but I've I've embraced it. I feel the same way. I I, I took my son to see Petty. Like right before Petty passed, uh, few months. I I'm saw so that last thankful. tour too, Sean. Yeah. Good on you. Good uh, on you. I'm so glad I took him because he, you know, my son's 16, listens to Petty and cuts the grass. I'm like, we're going to see Petty. And then a couple weeks later, I saw Seeger, and then he got sick. He had been on tour since then either. Yeah, I feel like we got to see right. all these guys. John yeah. Mellencamp. Yeah, you got to see him, right? Those are the soundtracks of your life. And I tell you, I, I love that you're doing that with your kid. I did the same. Th- I've done the same thing with Will. Since he's about six, and and every now and then, man, I walk by and I'll hear him in his room, and the shower's going, and he's got the radio on blast, and it's Super Tramp, or it's you know Bob Super. Dylan, or it's nice. Billy Joel, or the Stones, and or it's or it's even Sinatra. And when I hear that coming out of his room in the morning, I go, "There's hope. There's <laughs> yeah. hope don't, in don't, this world." 
Billy, don't you feel like such a great dad? Like, I did my job. My kid's going to go to college, and he's going to at least play good tunes when he's in those mm-hmm. dorm rooms. Not like, you know, he's not going to be playing all I, crap nowadays, you know? Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I turn my son I do. Isn't it weird what makes you feel like you <laughs> But I, you know which one I did, man, that I loved is I turned him on to the big Lebowski. Oh, yeah. And and he, he took right to it. Like, he really gets, like, me and Joey O'Connell from Penn Hills run a lot of movie quotes, as does Mr. Pajuda. Anyway, uh, we, we he picked up on that man because after the Big Lebowski, anytime I've said anything to him, like, "Did you pick that up in here? Are you going to go do that? <laughs> when did when did Liam get invited over?" He'll go. There's been developments, man. <laughs> <laughs> but what's really cool is, man, he really took the credence uh, during uh, the Big Lebowski. So I got to take him and three of his buddies over to Vegas to see Fogarty at the win, and that was wow. another one of our little trips. So, wow. so Credence That's is awesome. in the routine. And he's been the kid that turns you on to the classic rock. Like, he's turned his friends on to that music, and that makes me very yeah, happy. That's awesome. Always missing is the Nova out front. We're going to change the distributor cap later this afternoon. <laughs> well, I'm also hate the Eagles? streets in L.A. What's that? Does he also hate the Eagles? He does hate <laughs> No, he doesn't know enough about him to hate I told him the Eagles are good from Joe Walsh forward. Uh, before that, it's just sleepy and talking about trees. Hey, you know, it, like, I'm a firm believer. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, there's no more good music anymore. I think there's so much good music. No, I know there is. There's, but I have to go. I literally, I'm going to interrupt you because I'm going to give you a big compliment. You have turned me on to some new music I like. I, and you are... You're like an encyclopedia of that, but what what I love about you is like you're a really cool app. If I had an app, you'd be my music app because you go because you can turn it off for me, and then I can just get three or four cool ones. Like the last one you turned me on to that I really love was Alabama Shakes. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. there's so few for and far between for me. But it's tough. You know but, another yeah, good one? Black, do that for me. Blackberry Smoke. Oh you know, yeah, they're great. Them, they're really good. They came to Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. Yep. And uh, what's that small? The small theater. Uh, Carnegie uh, uh, Homestead. Yeah, you like get, you get a beer in the library, then yeah. you come back. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is great. It's like I, my butt barely fits in the seat. Two yeah, guys. it's like a it's like a it's like a grade school seat. Yeah, I'm like, what the heck's going on? Is this like elementary school? Is this an assembly? <laughs> yeah, oh, I love the Dutch case she's highlighted a concert. You get a beer in the library. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, Crowded House is coming there next week, bro. <laughs> Check out Tarzan. But you get a beer right there in the library. Well, you, I mean, how are you going to beat that? You know what I'm saying? You know. the, the point I was going to make about, like, there's so much good music out there now that it's actually, it's it's harder for people to, you know, it's so, there's it's so, much so much that man. you kind of, like, you, you feel like, ah, oh, I can't keep up with everything that's happening. But 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 none of that music will ever be able to, to have the impact that the original sort of classic right. rock era, the stuff from like the the origin of the counterculture to like mid eighties had, because that first twenty years is the template. It's the bedrock that all of the other stuff is built on, and so it will never have the same impact. I mean, plus some, we were young. Well, that's what I was gonna say. People who are young and growing up with the bands that are happening right now, the, those bands will mean more to them probably than the Eagles. But you know. Maybe not. Maybe this is just the the classics are the classics for a reason. Standards are the standards yeah. for a reason. And when right. it comes to classic rock, that is always going to be the foundation that all the other stuff is built on. And so it can't have the same impact. Just send me three good bands. Dude, I, I got a lot of good Rival bands. Rival Sons. 
Oh, no, I do. I, 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 that's why that I ask you because I know you're, you're going to steer me right. Rival sons. I, um, I, I have to wade through it. I get overwhelmed. Royal blood. Yeah. I don't have. I don't have enough life left to listen to whole albums anymore. Yeah, you do. Greta Van yeah. Fleet. If you like Led Zeppelin, you you'll go. love Greta Van Fleet. Oh, oh yeah. Well, wait. What was the first one you said? What was the first band? The the, the Library Beer Band. Blackberry, Blackberry Smoke. Smoke. Oh yeah. Oh, they're right kind of like they're a southern. They're Hold like, on, I'm writing it down. Hey Hold Billy, on. you'll love them, man. Yeah. You'll love them. Right. They do Blackberry. crowded hash covers. Crowded hash. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like hey, Skinnerty. I'm get a T-shirt made up with it spelled in Pittsburgh uh, this is our new single, Best Seat in the House. Black Bear Smoke? Yeah, yeah. yes. Great tune. They kind of rock out really hard at times, too. They they, they don't... They got, a, they, got a good, they got a good sound like they're playing instruments. I love that. Oh, you like these guys. Sounds country-ish. The dude's voice is definitely... They got a little Leonard Skinner in there. It sound, little, they yeah, they, they remind me of Skinner a lot. Yeah. Uh, like Drive-By Truckers would be another band you should get turned Drive on. Drive-By Truckers, I know. Carl Perkins Cadillac. I like them a lot. Yeah, they're badass. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll uh, more with Sean Casey and Billy Gardell here on DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta has sports right now. we got Sean Casey live in the studio with us, the mayor. And we got Billy Gardell live in Los Angeles, California, hanging out with us. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> In the house. I'm, in the, I'm, I'm gonna go listen to Crowded House. <laughs> well, yeah, that was great. All Ollie is at one time. That was good. You, you just knew it was coming. <laughs> no, I love it. Crowded House. I love when I do one. I love when you do one, and you, you, it's so Pittsburgh that other Pittsburghers go, "Oh, oh there it is." <laughs> oh, dude, that was a bad one. <laughs> Billy, you got me a couple of weeks ago with the, come on. Come on. Come on. Dude, that was great, Billy. I, after you said that, I, I figured out how to spell that on a, on a text like four or five times until I got it where it felt just right. Come on. What's going on, Mike? The Vegas Golden Knights were looking for more offense going into game four of the Stanley Cup final last night, so head coach Gerard Glant healthy scratch David Perron and turned to Tomas Tatar. This was their plan B. Tatar got yeah. one one shot on goal. Had, <laughs> had another one blocked in uh, 12 minutes and 37 seconds of scoreless ice time. Caps beat Vegas 6-2. to two. Come on! It's a 3-1 lead for Washington. You know what time it is? Uh, it's Time to start packing your stuff because you're going home. It's six past hand. flurry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Game five is Thursday night in Vegas. <laughs> six past flurry. That's funny. Our producer Joe reminded me of those. Very nice, Joe. That's, we That's an assist. We're putting you down. Primary assist. If you're still holding out hope for the Knights, they have never lost four consecutive games in their franchise history. Hey, that's right. good news. <laughs> and they've lost, oh, that's they've good. lost three in a row now, so they're probably due. Well, there's a first time for everything. Thursday night. <laughs> Pirates getting ready to host the Dodgers tonight at PNC Park. They need a pick-me-up, and uh, Joe Musgrove has already given them a couple of those. He's 2-0 and with a 0.64 ERA. He'll be opposed I like Musgrove. We should trade him by July. <laughs> <laughs> 
I swear to God, Nutting's in his office, and he's starting to look more and more like Mr. Smithers from The Simpsons. <laughs> what? He's got a good ERA? Release the hounds. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of room for the hounds at PNC Park, Bill. Yeah. Nobody it's sound night. So sad. <laughs> Ross Stripling uh, is the starter fuck. for Los Angeles, which... <laughs> Comes in uh, with a record of 29-30, and 30, but the Dodgers have won 12 out of 16. The Pirates are 30-29, but they have lost 12 out of 16. Uh, L.A.'s pitching is a little bit iffy after Ross Stripling tonight. Clayton Kershaw, Rich Hill, Henjin Ryu, and Kenta Miata. Maeda. Let's Maeda. go. I just told you. Okay, here's the only reason I have any hope, though. Got him confused I had a, with the car. My buddy had a Miata that we used to ride. <laughs> Dude, the Miata. Yeah. All the, those guys are on the DL, no matter what they drive. I can, I can wear two Miatas like roller skates in a Shriner store. <laughs> you say Miata, I say Miata. Let's call the whole thing off, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah. She crowded house. Hey, if they do call the whole thing off, about 11,000 people will be disappointed. <laughs> Look, the only thing I'm holding on here with the Buccos is, even with this terrible record, we are only three and a half back. So there, there is that. Yeah, and they've been playing bad lately. They're still a game above 500. They can make another run here soon. You think, Case? I don't know. It seems like the minute we start pulling it together, I don't know. <laughs> the bullpen falls apart. <laughs> yeah, it makes me sick. And I ordered that. MLB package again, and I'm going to write and see if I can get a discount. <laughs> I know some I mean, people. I, I, I hit I know them some every people. year. They should give me a break, I think. Well, I mean, just a the case is Musgrove, Trevor Williams, and Jamison Tyone are your three guys lined up for this series. Yeah. Do those guys all, all not solid. all give you a chance 100%. to win? 100%. That's all you need. You need a chance to win. You need to have some timely hitting against the Dodgers. And you got to have – nowadays in, in, in Major League Baseball, the back end of the pen, 7-8-9 is just – that's crucial. If, you, if, yeah. you, if you're not successful there, you're going to lose ball games. Probably has got to figure that out That's a what bit. they've been doing, yep. Well, Rodriguez maybe doesn't need to see as much PT, huh? Yeah, probably not. Sean Rod's having a rough time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as soon as uh, Jung Ho Gun comes back, which apparently he's well on his way in the low minors. Just make sure he Ubers. That's it. <laughs> Whenever they call him up. <laughs> but no, I mean, there's your there's your extra infielder, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, can he? He played a little short before. Well, hopefully, hopefully, you know, listen, he hasn't played in a few years. Hopefully, he hasn't lost a step or his bat speed is still good. I mean, you know, hopefully, you that's a, that's a big if too. That's sports. All right, Mike Pursuit, Billy Gardell with us, and uh, Sean Casey is live in studio as well. Case, what's going on with the Miracle League field? Oh, man, we got great stuff happening the Miracle League. Uh, my girl, Sabrina, the other day just hit a home run. Oh, it was awesome, too. Nice. She was it, nice. It was, nice. It was really cool. Um, but we're, we're doing good. We're still rolling. We got a couple weeks left of the season. And uh, like I said, we got 350 kids rolling out wow. there. We're still looking for volunteers, always looking for some money, which is always a good thing. Yeah. But congratulations too. We I haven't talked to you since the fundraiser since we found out you know what you guys were able to raise. Oh yeah, we raised over a hundred thousand dollars at the fundraiser that you you headlined. Congratulations! Yeah, it's great. It's such a cool place to go. Love to have you guys there one one Saturday because you would just be blown away. I'm in, dude. By the kids are just wonderful. Yeah, I announced a couple of games the other day and the kids are giving me a hard time. You pronounce my not pronounce my name fast enough. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't get this bad on MLB Network. They're crushing me over here. (laughs) Listen, Miota. Just get up there and swing the bat. (laughs) Yeah, just give it 
to Pittsburgh, which would be like, uh, John, step, John, stop, number 28. <laughs> Johnny S. Yes. Johnny S. Stachy. Uh, do you uh, do you have a website where people can go if they want to yeah, uh, volunteer? Yeah, MiracleLeagueSouthHills.org. Okay. MiracleLeagueSouthHills.org. If you want to come volunteer, we'd love to have you over there. A lot, a lot of ways to volunteer, too, whether you're at the concession stand or announce or, or just a buddy for one of the kids. Oh, dude, I'll announce them. Yeah, let's oh, go we'd love to have you guys announce. Randy, we'd love to have you announce, bro. You'd have no, batting, 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 batting. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be your echo, echo, echo. <laughs> many, many, many. Mota, 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 mota. All right, uh, MiracleLeagueSouthHills.org. Org. Org, yes. All right, good deal. Nice. Quick break. We'll come back. More with Billy Gardell and Sean Kate. It's the DB Morning Show. Billy Gardell live in Los Angeles. Guys. You're supposed to say guys. Uh, and then <laughs> we got Sean oh, I got Casey. The, I got the, wait, I got the new emotion for Bucks today, too. All right, Here go ahead. Go. Yeah, it's just a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Sean Casey's uh, in studio with us. The mayor's office is uh, is open right yes, now. Yes, it is. Yes. And he is uh, he's uh, hanging out with us. Don't forget, MiracleLeagueSouthHills.org is how you can find out more about what he's doing out there, the, that great work you're doing on the Miracle League. And uh, you can donate and be a part of that. South Hills, or, I'm sorry, MiracleLeagueSouthHills.org. Do you yeah. guys uh, accept Miatas uh, as a dude, form I was of thinking about payment? When, <laughs> when you were talking about Miata. the Billy, when you were talking about the Miata, I got a great story. Think back back to my childhood. My dad, we used to have the two cars, the Horizon. Remember the Horizon is like this sure. little, little yellow car. I was like, this car's the greatest. You know, meanwhile, I was, I was living in Upper St. Clair. I looked like I was in Compton. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> what's going on here? You know, everyone's got the Mercedes. The we got the Horizon. You know, but we also had this huge uh, Mercury Lincoln, like big blue Mercury Lincoln, like like literally like it was a tank, right? So my my it. sister's late for uh, my sister's late for soccer practice one day, and my dad's a maniac driver. He just is, you know. So the horizons <laughs> in the driveway. My my the, the Mercury Lincoln's in the, is in the uh, garage. So the garage opens. My dad's like, boom! It's the horizon. The horizon launches across the street. Straight up, boom! Flying across the street. Right, it goes into our neighbor's yard. Our four, all four tires are exploded. The, 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 the hood of the car. The hood of the car's up. It's steaming. My dad's like, oh god. Goes inside. He's like, Jen, we got a minor problem out here. My mom goes, I was like, Jesus Christ, minor, minor problem. The car's total. You gotta be kidding me. Next thing you know, my dad's like, all right, we gotta go to practice. Pulls off. My mom, poor mom, we gotta there. go to practice. <laughs> yeah, have fun with that. Right. Get that car out of the tree. I swear to God, I knew he was gonna do that before you said it. Leave it. We'll get it when we get back. See, he did leave it. So my mom's sitting there in a the driveway. You know, the, the family comes out. What the heck? Car's total. So the rest of my my parents didn't have enough money to get it totally fixed. So they got it kind of fixed. Yeah. So like my mom. <laughs> My mom, my mom would drive me around, like you know, drop you off in like Upper Saint Clair, like the like, cool girls, like uh, sixth grade party. And I'd be like, "Mom, drop me off at the library. I'll walk." She's like, "I'll tell you what, this car gets us made to see. You don't like it? You can just walk. You can walk from home." So what a tale! Of, what a tale of two, you know, two two stories. 
I was so I felt so weird that we had the worst car in St. Clair growing up. Well, the other day I treated myself like a couple months ago. I bought a Tesla and the, the Model X car. The it comes out the Falcon oh, wings dude, come up. Yeah. So my kids are so embarrassed, right? So I go to pick up my daughter the other day. It, <laughs> They're it, it, embarrassed by oh, the yeah. Tesla. Oh yeah, so embarrassed about the wings Why, coming wait, up. Wait, wait, wait. Why are they embarrassed about the Tesla? It's too the, nice. The Falcon wings come up and it looks like it's like uh, you know uh, yeah, yeah, Michael J. Fox, like yeah. Back to the Future. So my daughter, I go to pick her up. It's like Damn. the opposite of the horizon. Damn. Not, now we got the best car, and she's like, Damn. "Pick me up, pick me up, right?" She's like, "Pick me up down there, Dad." I'm like, "Why?" She, so I'm like, "Get in the car." So I, here come the Falcon wings come up. So she, in front of her friends, you got the Falcon wing doors opening yeah. up. She gets in the car. It's like the opposite of the horizon. The piece of crap car. Yeah. Right? She gets in, and starts bawling. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I'm like, listen, back in sixth grade, I had the worst car in town. Okay? <laughs> this car gets us from A to Z. In luxury. <laughs> and I don't no hear. justice, Case. Exactly. Uh, Come on, Billy. You got to be kidding me. No justice at all. It just, uh, it just reiterates the point that it's uh, uh, during certain phases, they just don't want to be spotted with us. Yep. Exactly. They're so it embarrassed. It doesn't matter what's going on. You could come in on a hovercraft and say, God. God. <laughs> Why do you have to bring the hovercraft? Just get in. As a kid, nothing hovered. We had to use wheels. You know what a wheel is? Now listen, this is a song by Crowded House. That's a walk-off. This thing will hover you from point A to point Z. Listen, listen, plutonium don't grow on trees, so stop acting all snobby. Think this is easy? No, I'm not going to hover a block away. (laughs) I told you for the last time I ain't dropping you off on the roof. No. No. I'm going to take you back in time, smack you around, give me some manners. There's no pleasing them. There's no way. The best car, the worst car. They just thought it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's dad's car. Look, though, I mean, in in your daughter's, like, limited defense in this case, you remember being that age, and you think stuff stays with you forever. It seems like that period of your life seems like you are branded for eternity with yeah. certain things. So you're just, if you're Everything even unsure, is that, yeah. you know, if you're just unsure, that's enough to be like, I don't know how this is going to play out, and I don't need this. I don't need this scarlet yeah. letter, okay? So, that's yeah, why I have so many problems at 44. Be with me forever. Yeah, they're just, they're playing social defense. They don't know. <laughs> oh, look, fancy doors came in. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. Yeah. So funny. Like, does your locker open regular or does it come out like Falcon Wings? Yeah, you know, it'd be really cool as if those doors were on a Lamborghini like it was intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Casey, you oh, should you plug your car in. Environment. Oh. Casey, Charge your car up. Casey, you should buy her a lunchbox that opens on the sides. <laughs> oh, that's good. She'd love that. Here you that's go. Good. There's a little Tesla lunchbox for you. Put some space age pills in there. Drop these in water. It'll be a sandwich. <laughs> That's it. I'm drop you off at the helipad. Don't forget to hydrate your lunch. <laughs> get out. 
<laughs> Chuck Casey, check out what he's doing. MiracleLeagueSouthHills.org. Billy Gardell, what are you doing, dude? I know you were in New York um, the last few days. I was in New York City, which was great. I got to go. Uh, my friends, Mike O'Malley and Greg Garcia, uh, Mike from Yes, Dear, and of course he did Survivor's Remorse, and then Garcia did My Name is Earl and gave me my first job on Yes, Dear. Yeah. They wrote Escape to Margaritaville in, uh, on Broadway, and I got to go see that, and Jimmy Buffett was there, and he sang Margaritaville, and then I went backstage and got to meet him. And oh, was, was he cool? He's so cool, dude. He's as Did cool he have as shoes on? No, no, no shoes. Just wandering around it. He came out and sang Margaritaville with the crowd at the end, and it was really cool. I think they're going to take that show on the road, and I think it's going to do very well on the road. You know, because, you know, New York, it did okay, but I think it's going to find its home out on the road. And uh, he was really super nice. And then, like I told you, I, I think before I left New York, I jammed three slices of hot pizza in my mouth, and now I'm peeling different chunks of skin off the top <laughs> of the roof of my mouth. And, and, and Patty, hold on. Yeah, Patty don't know, because we're on this whole 30 thing, and I went oh. way off road. <laughs> I just... I jumped in an ATV and went to the pizza pond. So, <laughs> so this morning she makes these fruit smoothies and it's like drinking battery acid because the skin's peeled off the top of my mouth, but I can't let on. I'm like, guys, it's delicious, just delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that pain. The things you do for love. Uh, the things you do for pizza. <laughs> yeah, were you talking about Patty or the pizza there? <laughs> Both. Both. Billy Gardell, always a pleasure. Love you, Sean. Love you, love you, love you so uh, thanks, Sean Casey, for uh, stopping by and hanging with us. Thanks for for putting up with the uh, the saga of sticks. That was so great. I'll never put up with that again. That was awesome. I mean, you know, Dennis the Young, yeah, dude. I'm on. I'm on. I'm on Team Dennis. I don't want to go see it, <laughs> but I think he's got the best argument. I do. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we'll have uh, comedian Jeff Conkle, also Michael Rubini from the Wrecking Crew. Man, this is uh, awesome. he's promoting uh, Life in the Key Rubini. He is the guy who did the, the Wrecking Crew documentary, right, Joe? He's not the guy. He's not a, his dad was the guy in the Wrecking Crew, right? Who recorded thousands of hits through the years. The documentary he did is one of the most fascinating music industry docs you'll ever see about the legendary recording sessions for everybody from uh, the Beach Boys to anything Phil Spector did and uh, well beyond that. Also, Double M, Mark Madden in the studio tomorrow as well. Michelle's coming up next with the electric lunch at... I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him done, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm -hmm.